Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Monday with Mikey and Murph. We back. We having technical difficulties and we kind of getting butt hurt. But we are an awesome rate of podcast talk show. We're going to have good times. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Oh, here we are once again. Season three. Let it begin. That's right. It's a COVID year, but it's going to be a championship coming here to Las Vegas. It's our new hometown. We got Murphy doing it in the Tennessee town. He's doing big things, y'all. I'm very proud of Murph, and thank you for being with us. This is Mondays with Mikey and Murph. The training camp special. We talking Raiders and football dirt. We're going to have a good time, fun time, let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph, yo, 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 a pirate's life for me. Let's do it. What's going on, Murph? How you doing? It's Mikey Raider and Murph here on Mondays with Mikey Murph. What's going on there, Murphy? Mikey, I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, I'm absolutely uh, uh, so excited to be back here in the uh, uh, in the uh, the on air nation studios for this episode of Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Man, it's been a long time since we did one of these, man, and I'm uh, and I'm fired up for it, brother. I'm excited. Mikey's alive. Yeah, he is. Mikey's alive. People thought we broke up, like the band broke up. Like people thought we broke up. No, Yoko did not break up this Lennon and McCartney pairing. Again, it's I don't want to get into all my personal issues, but Mikey Raider's a mess. That's all we're going to say. So, Mike, you know, but you love me, you hate me, it's all good. But we're back for season three. Apparently, football's coming back, and we're going to talk some football. We're also going to have a couple of sensitive subjects, but that truly need to be talked about. So be forewarned. But most importantly, it looks like the loss Vegas Raiders are going to play some type of football this year during the pandemic. 
They sure are. And uh, whether we're there to watch them live or not, they're going to be playing some football, just like they're playing some baseball and and uh, and playing basketball, playing some NBA now as well. So uh, and, and hockey's getting ready to start. So sports are back. And uh, and that's a good thing for all of us. Correct. So, Murph, you've been doing a lot of big things. I've been seeing you with Will Compton, with Raider players in your studio. I've been seeing you and Raider Cody getting down, doing amazing podcasting work, raising money for charities. And just when I talked about charities, the light got bright on my head. Why? Because the (laughs) stars and the sun is shining down on us. (laughs) Hallelujah. But other than that, Murph, uh, I wanted to give you some facts that you might not know. Oh, okay. Our channel on Air Nation and your channel as well in terms of podcast on YouTube. And don't quote me. Okay. My stats and facts may be a little incorrect because Mikey Raider's a mess. But beyond every Raider podcast that's out there that I truly know of, we are ranked third and fourth in terms of the views that we've had on both of our podcasts. So, of course, we got the official Raiders.com podcast on YouTube, and that does like 10,000 views or whatever, you know, 11,000 for their podcast. Then there's the NBC uh, Scott Bayer podcast. They do about 7,000 views, 6,000 views. Then Mondays with Mike and Murph, I went back and looked at our best video of our podcast. Yeah. And it had around 4,800 views, like 5,000. Then I was looking at Raider Cody's. No, he does an amazing podcast. I'm not saying anything wrong. Absolutely. And all the other podcasts. And I couldn't find the views in terms of the numbers that hit, you know, around 5,000 for my channel. So I was like, that makes me third, I guess, in terms of the YouTube podcast scale. It makes Mondays with Mikey and Murph third. Then some of your recent podcasts on Murph Fan Cave, they hit 3,400, 3,500 numbers. Yeah. And we're neck and neck. So the truth is, we're like third place, bro. Both of our channels in terms of a Raider podcast on YouTube. Awesome, man. Well, I, uh, I, I couldn't be prouder, and, uh, and it's all... Uh, 100% a credit to, to Raider fan, man. Raider nation, um, you know, supports these shows and supports us fan content creators, you know, you and I, and anybody, uh, the other names aside from the NBC folks and, and, uh, and, and the official Raiders podcast. I mean, we're not pros, man. We just do this stuff. That's what uh, I mean. We're competing with the pros. We're competing with the pros, man. And so the, the, the fact that Raider nation supports us and what we're doing, man, I, I can't thank them enough. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, uh, some of the opportunities that we've had here lately with, with, with our channel and, and heck, even going all the way back to really the, the whole entirety of last year, um, some of the things that we were able to do with our show uh, and some of the, the, the interactions and the opportunities that opened up. And then subsequently, and most importantly, the fundraising opportunities that have come from yeah. that. Um, have you just, guys have done amazing. Thank you. And, and we, we, if you don't mind, will you allow me to plug something real fast? Plug everything, bro. Plug in your TV, plug in your microwave, plug it, plug it, plug it in. 
All right. I, so you mentioned I had Compton here in the studio. For those of you that don't know, uh, I'm originally from the Bay Area, spent the majority of my life there, but now live outside of Nashville, Tennessee, which is where Will Compton, number 51 for the Oakland Raiders, also lives. So uh, so through Cody uh, and some mutual friends of ours, we got to know each other. Uh, he came on our show, did an interview with us, and I told him that I bought this number 51 uh, jersey, a Nike replica jersey, and I asked him if if we ever run into you locally, would you be willing to sign it, and we will then donate 100% of the profit or proceeds, whatever, to the Middle Tennessee Relief uh, Fund uh, as far as tornadoes go. Right before COVID hit, we had some tornadoes that came through and did some pretty severe damage around our, our communities. So Will agreed to it. Well, after we got to know Will, he came uh, over to the fan cave. Uh, me and my co-host Swag Jeff actually hung out with him for the entirety of an afternoon. Uh, we went and had lunch and hung out, and he came in here in the fan cave. We did an interview. It's all up on my channel. If you go to youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave, uh, you can watch the full interview with us and and, and there and uh and anyway so he was so gracious to sign this jersey so i'm auctioning this thing off and as of today um uh, will uh the 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 autographed jersey that that will did while he was here as of today this thing is up to 500 dollars. so i'm gonna show you what it is it's right here if you can see it so can you see that on the camera there mikey yeah definitely okay so it says will compton and then it's signed for the boys which is that's uh, in reference to his podcast, which podcast, is, yeah. which is Bussin the Bussin with the boys, Bussin with the boys, which is him and left tackle of the Taylor uh, left tackle, of the Tennessee Titans, Taylor Lewan. And so anyway, so he signed that will Compton for the boys. If you want to get in on that, email me, you can email me at Murph M U R F at Raiders fan If you got $501 in your pocket and you want this Jersey, uh, then, then, then send me a, uh, send me an offer on it. I've got a flood of offers that came in today and right now five, hundred bucks is the high bidder and uh we're gonna we're gonna let this thing run up until wednesday when we uh when we go live and do our our show this week which is going to be our fanny awards which is our annual award show that we do and so anyways if you want to get in on that send me a, an email murf m-u-r-f at raidersfanradio.com if you want to make a bid on it and again 100 of the money that i get i'm going to turn right around and give it to the middle tennessee tornado tornado relief fund and so thank you to all of you that have already submitted bids we appreciate you we love you this is what Raider Nation does, man. This thing, we say it's family, and it's no joke. It's familiar for a reason, man. We take care of one another, and there's some folks in, our, in my local community that need some help, and so this is what we're going to do to help them out. Yeah, 100%. And we had technical difficulties, but I promise you, Raider Nation, I will have all the information to his auction in the description of this video later tonight after it's either uploaded or processed and you guys can come back and find all that information to find Murph, to find the Will Compton show, to, you know, find his email and everything to bid on the auction. So just if I could end the summary that we are competing with the big boys in terms of podcast. And that makes me that made me really proud when I found out that information. Um, and then we got the young up and comers that are doing amazing you know, like the Raider Cody's and, you know, the other people that are doing podcasts as well. And I just, I'm just very, very proud. And I, I want to send out love into the world for, to every video maker, every Raider Nation podcaster, video maker, whatever you are. Thank you very much. But again, I don't include shows like chat sports and all that. Cause to me, they're not like a podcast. Like we made a podcast show, but yeah, you understand what I'm saying though. Like, you know, we have a podcast where people talk back and forth. 
So, but we're we're like number three, Murph. Right we're on, man. In mind. We're number three. We're the top dogs, bro. I love it, man. I, I, I'm very proud of that accomplishment. Again, thank you, Raider Nation, for supporting us the way that we do. Uh, all the channels, all the shows, and you know, and and we're an audio only podcast too, the Murph Fan Cave Network, and so and those numbers are continually climbing, and 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 do every week. I mean, we get new listeners every single week, and so so thank you again. And yes, and I mean all the all everybody from. Samoan Raider and of course Raider Cody as you mentioned pillaging podcast Silver and guy Black today is out there now too as well Silver and Black today from Las Vegas uh, I think his name is Scott he's doing amazing things as well there they're go. live right now actually I don't want to give him a plug but uh, you know they're live uh, right behind now. the eye patch guys have always been great to us uh Monster Mash Ken has always been uh in- incredibly kind in his support of, of us here in our show uh, and, and so anyways, and, and he's done a mojo, mojo, of course, mojo. all these people are coming up, man. Absolutely. We love them absolutely. And, and also your boy Q who does the locked on Raiders podcast. Another guy, like all these folks that do all these shows, man, we have, have become not just peers of ours, but of colleagues of ours. And so we got a lot, a lot of respect for him. And so continue to support what they do. And yes, of course, uh, I'm very proud of, of where we're at as far as numbers and rankings go, uh, and all that and, and, and embrace that entirely. But I'm also a firm believer in like what Kenny from pillaging says a rising tide raises all ships. We're not competing with one another. It's all about lifting each other up, man. And, uh, and celebrating this whole thing we call Raider nation. Yeah. I mean, you're completely right. But in, in terms of my depression, I needed that to motivate me. You get it? Like I felt like I was losing everything in life. I'm, I'm losing everything. And I saw the numbers and I was like, we're doing pretty good. It may not last forever and that's okay. But then I was like, man, we're kind of competing with the top dogs right now. And it made me proud. It said me and Murph, like we're doing something good. And I was like, I got to do a Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Oh. And it inspired me and it got me off of my damn butt to do a show. Oh, and that's man. why we're here. Hey. And I'm proud. Murph. And I'd rather be the first, second, third, than fourth, fifth or sixth. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not hating on it. I love it that we're up there that that high. Like that's great, and I love it that we're up there and we're and we're running with the pros because that is different. Those people do that for a living. I do this from my bonus room. Like you know what I'm saying? Like this is with those folks. I don't mind competing a bit. Like that's so that's a whole nother story. You know the Eddie Pascal's of the world, whatever. We're coming for you, dude. Like and I don't have any <laughs> any qualms about that. But because those guys get paid for it, we don't. Yeah, yeah, but I love it. Silver and Black today, all the people we mentioned, Raider Cody, again, they're going to move up in the ranks. They're probably going to be the top dog soon. But that's kind of interesting to think that the pros might be overtaken by the fans. Heck yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty damn cool. Absolutely. All right, so let's get this show started. All right. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought because I'm a fool. You're not a fool, Mikey. What's our first segment coming fool. into? We got it was our training camp special, right? So let's uh, let's right. let's kick it off with the first uh, with the first big topic we got tonight. Yeah, that's right. All right. So long story short, I respect every Raider podcaster, video maker. I love you all, and I'm proud of you all. And I'm back, and hopefully we have an amazing season three with Murph on your channel as well. I'm freaking positivity and love, and that's what. Mikey, you're cutting out, buddy. Oh, Mikey, your mic is all the way cut out, brother. We don't. Okay, yeah, I can't hear you. Okay, I'll fill the. 
I'll feel I'll fill the air there until you till you come back in. So just to give you an idea, of some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, uh, we're going to talk about some of the concerns around COVID, like whether we're going to have a freaking football season or not, uh, and if we do, if we're going to have uh, fans in the stands, uh, we're going to talk about about the preseason, about what's going to go on around the preseason. As as of right now, the NFL has canceled it, but we'll get into more of that. Uh, we're going to talk about Mark Davis and some of the comments that he's had here uh, so far this offseason around the fans and that whole notion of no fans being at the games. Uh, then we're going to get into some of the the more sensitive stuff, like Mikey had mentioned. Uh, some things about... Check, uh, check. Hey, there he is. We got you. All right, brother. Check. 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 We got you now, Mikey. Check. All right. Sorry about that, guys. We're having a lot of technical difficulties. Hey, it's our first time back in a while. We got to work out the kinks. We got to get the gremlins out of the building, man. It takes a minute. All right. So, uh, like I said, before we sing, before we started the show, let's sing the song that we sing. What the world needs Needs now now is love, sweet sweet love. love. It's the only thing. Any Burke Baccarat fans out there? Is that who it was, Burt Baccarat? Sounds yeah. like a game you play in Vegas, Baccarat. And I really and I and the and I I would kind of know that, but I really know that because of Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Because and that that one scene where where him and and um uh oh, what's her name? Uh, I know it's Heather Graham, but what's her character? Tia Carrera? Oh no! No 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 no! And uh, is it? Oh darn! Kitty it. Kitty something? Oh gosh! And they're up on the top of the uh, or no? Maybe it's from the first one. Man, maybe it's anyways, but he goes, they're on the top of the double decker bus, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Burt Baccarat. And then Burt Baccarat starts playing that song on top of the bus. That's right. I do yeah. remember that scene now, but yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Is it Felicity Shagwell? Character. Is that her Probably. name? I don't know. Heather Graham was gorgeous in that movie, though, by the way. Just side note. Well, I worked on Evolution with Julianne Moore, and Heather Graham and Julianne Moore were in Boogie Nights, and they were bold naked. So, you know, that's something I, I got to. See people I work with naked. All right, let's move on. It's 5.30. I believe the show is officially going to start. Okay. Let's do it. It's time for the headlines, deadlines, breadlines, Murph. I still love the Broadway show rent. Yeah, you do, and you don't like to pay it. And I don't like to pay my rent. All right, guys. So the Raiders are in Las Vegas for the inaugural season in their well-deserved stadium where we have lost the draft due to the pandemic. We have lost a lot of things. Mark Davis is mad. A lot of things are going on. So I'm just going to start with some concerns. We're going to start with the negatives, but we're going to end up with the positives on this show. Yes. So do you have any concerns regarding COVID and no preseason fans wearing masks and do you think whoever is crowned a champion this year should have an asterisk next to their team? What are your concerns for the Vegas Raiders, the players, and this entire season? Wow. Well, there's um, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'll just keep it on the the, the easier addressed one for a show of 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 our uh, qualifications. We'll say. Um, because if, if I start telling you what I think about the COVID, then you're going to, I'm going to, you know, appeal to a third of the people listening and everybody else is going to have their own opinions and thoughts and whatever. So let me just. All right, let's go through the questions. Oh, how do you feel about no preseason? 
How will that affect the the Vegas Raiders having no preseason? I think it's going to affect the Vegas Raiders the same way it's going to affect every other team. And so, therefore, because it's balanced, I think that it's fine. What's disappointing is that when you have a team that skews younger like we do, without them getting those additional reps at game speed, even though it's preseason game speed, I think that that definitely can play a part or that can be a, a potential detriment considering the youth that we have. And also... You know, it's going to be a really monumental task for our strength and conditioning department to keep these guys healthy through the first part of the season because without that ability to get that kind of game time experience, I mean, rookies get hurt already as it is, so let alone remove four preseason games out of the equation. It just allows for those non-contact injury kind of things, hamstrings and whatnot, to pop up uh, when we do start getting into the live fire of, a, of, a, of an actual game. So I think that that could skew against the race in a little bit of a way but at least again at a minimum every team is dealing with the exact same conditions so you know we'll just got to deal with it yeah i'm pretty upset it sounds funny i've never really liked preseason games but because it's back to football i enjoy watching them and now i'm ready for it this year i'm like i want preseason games because of the pandemic but again health-wise and concerns i can understand why they got rid of it but man, the last couple of years I've enjoyed because I'm a podcaster and a broadcaster for the Raiders. I've enjoyed watching the preseason to see these undrafted players that we've talked about or these yeah. seventh round draft picks get on the field. And like, I'm really, really mad actually that there's no preseason because I want to watch that. Yeah. I want to enjoy the story yeah. of that. And it's not going to happen this year. The rosters have already been brought down to 80 players going into the preseason. They're just taking their COVID test. How many players are going to be, you know, positive, negative, go in a bubble, be quarantined? I don't know. But it's going to affect so many people that are not going to make this team that deserve a shot. And it, it's pretty, pretty sad in terms of fandom for the NFL. Well, it's going to be, be a season. Well, yeah, I'll I think, there, yeah, there should be a season. I think what's going to be interesting is as we're seeing now in baseball, you know, baseball is taking all the precautions, including even some players and coaches and what not managers wearing masks on the field. So baseball is taking all these precautions and yet you still have a team that gets a quote outbreak, like you get in the Florida Marlins and where, so they just canceled, <laughs> they canceled their game. Well, you know, okay, in baseball, at least in this, you know, normally you have, you know, 160 games, and now here we're going to have just 60 of them, but still, that's a heck of a lot more than 16. And um, and so what happens if you're an NFL team and you have an outbreak in your locker room? What if you have it during the postseason? Like, then even more, like, so it's, look, but here's the thing, and here's where ultimately I land on it, is that it's not going to be what we're used to, and it, and it none of our lives are. So there shouldn't be an expectation from us as people that this is going to go on like it always has. It's going to go on in a unique way. And so it may not mirror or resemble what our typical NFL season experience looks like, 
but I'm willing to embrace whatever it is because at least it's the NFL. Now, look, something may happen to our team that really sucks. Something may happen to another team that really sucks. Something may happen that they can't affect balance on because you can't control an outbreak. You can't control who gets sick. Like that, They can take every precaution, but ultimately you can't determine it. That's going to be left to so many different things that we just have no control over. So, But what's the alternative? The alternative is to, to eliminate it. Well, that's not, I don't think, a good answer either. You know, we as a society need sports. There's a reason that they exist. And it's because, it, and we'll get into more of this later when we get into some other topics, but it's escapism for us. It's the ultimate in reality TV. And so the opportunity to be able to, uh, you know, to, to witness it and to find emotion in it. And you think about all the, the goodwill that got brought because with the draft this year, even though it was done virtually, it felt yeah, like some a, good stuff. It was yeah. a rallying point for us and for our communities, let alone the sports community. There was people just in the world as a whole that are typically casual fans at best that don't pay attention to that stuff that rallied around the draft because it was something for us to all participate in and root for and to get behind. That's what the NFL season will bring. So regardless of what it looks like, is any of it going to be ideal? The absolute answer to that question is no, but it's okay. Just like everything else in your life is right now, Raider fan and human being out there listening to us, your life is different now, but it's okay. You're going to make the best of it with what you've been given and keep on marching on because otherwise you're working against your spirit as a human and your spirit as an American. And that's not what we're made to do. We're not being defeated. We just have to keep on going on evolving through it and just make the best out of it with what we got. Otherwise you just crawl up in a ball and weep. And so and that's not an option. Yeah. Um, I possibly got some inside information to release about the NFL. Uh, again, I am nobody to really release any information, but I have a friend who works in ad marketing for uh, some big companies. Basically what they do is they negotiate the buy-ins for ads for sports and the NFL you know, per company. And again, before COVID hit, the ads are technically sold months before the season happens. But after COVID, apparently the NFL went back to the ad well and has asked from certain advertisers double the amount of money to advertise during their games. Because of the pandemic, more people are going to stay at home the ratings are being boosted, as we see on MLB, as on everything. And apparently the NFL is saying they're losing $400 million because of no fans. But apparently they sent a memo to advertisers and networks trying to renegotiate and add value to their team. And they are going to pay the advertisers, at least the networks, the contracts are done probably for the networks, but the advertisers Apparently, they're paying double and triple. So the NFL, they're losing money, but they're also doubling money right now. So that's pretty interesting to think about how they're, you know, they're trying, they're saying that they're losing money, but they're actually making more money on the side. Um, do you have any issues with the procedures, the testing, um, no fans, and wearing a mask? Apparently, they got a fake mask to put on the field now i don't i don't know any any issues with any of this stuff no i mean there was a little bit of a flare-up from the players where there was some uncertainty and you know they kind of came out and were pretty vocal about 
about not, um, you know, not being comfortable with, with the current testing procedures. And there was a little bit of a backlash to the players being like, Hey, look, if I can figure out how to do my job, why can't you figure out how to do yours? And while I think that that's fair. And, um, but I also, you know, you're talking about a performance based, you know, uh, uh, profession here. And you're talking about that, you know, again, like I said at the top of the show, if you get sick for a week or two, like what does that equate to in terms of an NFL season? That's not, you go home and be quarantined and then go back to your job again. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, it does. But what's the impact of that? So I, I, I think that um, there is a little bit more sensitivity around the players and because they're limited, like, you know, the time frame is highly limited versus, you know, the, you know, whoever works at whatever store or you have whatever computer job or you will go to whatever office or whatever case may be is that these guys are limited in time frame. And so because they're so uh, consolidated through the course of their season, like, you know, they can't miss anything. So they wanted to make sure that they were going to have every ne necessary precaution taken to prevent them from missing any time. And I, I thought that was fair. So so in terms of what they've done, I mean, the players agreed on it. And if the NFLPA is willing to sign off on it, well, then I am. So, you know what I mean? Like if they're good with it and the league's good with it, then then let's go, man. Then then let's go play football. Now, in terms of them not having fans, that kind of, start, kind of uh, opens a little bit of the can of worms based on how my personal feelings are around a lot of this stuff. Um, so I'm going to avoid commenting entirely on that. But I'll just say this. Um, I get it. I get it if they don't have fans. I also get it if they do. I get it if they do and they have a socially distanced 14,000 people in, in, in Allegiant Stadium. You know, I, I, I get that as well. Here's something that I will give you that's unique and doesn't, doesn't border on opinion because this is a fact that I got from Will Compton straight from his mouth. Um, I was asking him, this isn't in the- Straight interview. out of Compton. Yeah, that's right. Crazy MRF -er named Compo. All right. So, uh, so, but, so we were, like as I mentioned, we spent the afternoon with the guy. We we're having lunch with him. And I was asking him about what it would be like to play in front of no fans. And again, this isn't on the interview. This is your, your bonus content here. I asked him, like, what is it going to be like? And he said, well, he goes, it'll be weird. He said, it'll be weird because there will be some guys that won't go as hard. He's like, it's just some guys just go harder with the crowd behind them. Now that said, he also I go said, harder with Viagra. He said that oh, easy. So he also easy. said that there is um, there is also a notion that for defensively as players, for them it will be easier because they won't have to compete with the crowd noise. But then I thought the most unique thing that he said out of all of that was that the calls and the signals that are going to come in from the sidelines and even those by a lot of the players on the field, those are going to have to be switched up regularly, if not even multiple times a game that what they're going to have to do is come up with like vanilla concepts for what their calls are on the field and then make changes to them. That would be um, confusing to the, to the opposing team. Reason being is that if you're inside Allegiant stadium and there's not a soul in there, but the two teams playing, you could talk like this, like I'm talking to you right now at it. this vocal range and you can hear me on the other sideline. So all of these signals and all of these calls and all these things are going to have to be highly modified. So there's a lot of strategy that's going to go on between, there's going to be a lot more of a chess match, essentially, I guess is what I'm saying. A lot more so than even what goes on now in the ultimate team sport. So really fascinating to think about it on those terms. And again, those are things that they're just going to have to adapt to. We got to adapt as fans. They got to adapt as teams. And that's a, that's a big one. That's a on the field performance thing that could be affected because if you hone in on someone's calls, it's all over. Look what happened to the Raiders in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. Damn straight. Uh, should there be, 
you think they're going to put cardboard fans like MLB? Do you think they're going to pump in crowd noise to eliminate some of the factors that you just mentioned? You know, well, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I got to say, I've watched a couple. I'm enjoying of- it. I'm starting to enjoy it that they pump in the crowd noise in MLB. And at first glance, when I saw the cardboard fans, it looked like a 1992 video game. But then after, you know, with hearing the sounds and the players in MLB, it my mind kind of got used to it and it, it kind of dissip- dissipated like and it didn't bother me. So I don't know what you think, but that was my thought on watching MLB. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I thought it was too distracting because it's so really? it's so blatant when it's being done that I would rather just have it be quiet. Like, just give me the announcers. Give me the, you know, I'd rather hear the dugout or something. I mean, or whatever. Like, mic something else up to to make the the, the ambiance there. But you could clearly tell because it was like quiet during the pitch. And then like, and then after the ball would get put in play, it would like turn on. Like they didn't even fade it in. Like it just like came on out of nowhere. And so it was a little jarring. I thought I was like, well, you know, to me, I would rather just, just be, have it be quiet. Just, just. I, wa- I watched three is. Dodger games and I got used to it. Like it started to not bother me. Like, and I enjoyed it. Like, I don't know. It was, it was a little weird, but Hey, that's, <laughs> that's my brain trying to accept our new reality. Um, all right. So should the championships have an whoever wins, should they have an asterisk next to their name if the world goes back to normal in coming years? I don't think so. Again, because the playing field has been leveled. You know, if they didn't put an asterisk on the strike shortened seasons, which that I mean was effectively a free for all um, when they had the scab players come in and play a majority of the season was at 83 uh, when that happened. So if you're not going to put an asterisk on a, on a season like that, then no, I mean, cause he's got, they're going to look the, the results are going to be determined on the field. And now if there are games where you have, you know, if we're the Raiders and, and I don't even want to say the Raiders, cause I want to speak anything over them. If you're the, uh, um, if you're the Buffalo bills, Okay, and Tredavious White and Josh Allen and, um, you know, I don't know, pick someone else. If they go out because of COVID, well, that's a different story, right? Like if, 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 if the stupid – I will hear, let me speak this over them. If Miko Hardman, um, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Tyron Matthew all come down with COVID – in week 16, when the Chiefs are trying to uh, lock up the division, uh, now, it, 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 should there be an asterisk on something like that? I don't know. That's a different discussion, I think. But in terms of, like, the the championships themselves, aside from that, heck no, man. And let's hope all those – listen, I don't, don't want to hope anything on anybody. Let's just hope those it's guys just, aren't as good as they used to be. It, How about that? It's just scary with shutdowns varying from state to state, uh, you know, we don't know if there will be delays, COVID players test positive. One team might have 20 during the season. One team might have two, you know, depending on that state. And what it's just, there might be delays. There might be games that are postponed for a week or taken away. Like if there's a Monday night game and a lot of players test positive, maybe they just call that game a wash. So one team will end up with a record of 15 and 0. And then another team will be 16 and 0. Yet they they might lose a game here or there. It's just, again, I cannot answer. I don't know what's going to happen. But um, I think there should not be, I think there should be an asterisk 
next to whoever is the Super Bowl champion, but not a bad asterisk. I think it should be a quality asterisk because they went through no OTAs, no mini camp. They went through the draft. They went through COVID-19 and they won the championship during all this turmoil and they put the best product on the field. So to me, that would be an, an amazing asterisk to put to whoever is the champion that they over did all these bad things. So I don't know. That's just my view. I think they would be an amazing champion to put up with all of this stuff in the background and still win a championship. I wish I could speak correctly and get the words out of my mouth. You're good, brother. Yeah. I, my brain, I don't, I don't know how to speak properly. (laughs) All right, Mark Davis, let's move on from the concerns. Mark Davis had this to say in the media the past couple of days about fans not being in the stadium. He has an issue that they covered off the first eight or nine rows and they want to put advertising for more revenue. He was mad about that. Now, with his COVID concerns, he said, I won't go if the fans go. And the way it looks right now, this is about a week ago. He won't go if the fans be. can't go. Yeah, I won't go if the fans cannot go. And the way it looks right now is there won't be any fans at our games. Davis also makes it clear that the partial capacity arrangement won't work at the team's new stadium, meaning he doesn't think it'll work if they only put in 10,000 fans like you stated. And he went on to say, it's all or none for me. Either all the fans are going to be there or none. I can tell, I cannot tell one fan that they cannot go to the inaugural opening game in the stadium that they helped to build through licensing PSLs. I won't tell them that they can't go, but the rest of the guys can go. And, oh, by the way, don't worry about it because we'll all be able to advertise on the seats when the fans are not there. Uh, I hope I read that correctly. So, basically, Mark Davis is one of the first owners to speak out in terms of the no fans, the fans, and his concerns especially having a brand new stadium. So a lot of people gave him praise and they said he was defending Raider nation. So do you consider Mark Davis a champion for Raider nation and NFL fans in general? I do. What do you think about this statement? I do. I think it's great. And I, and I agree with them. And, you know, uh, our buddy Mojo, who you mentioned earlier, you know, season ticket holder. And he mentioned that the Raiders weren't in contact with him about anything. And, you know, how do you determine who can go and who can't go? I mean, other than doing some sort of a lottery system and then providing people with like a future credit towards future games or whatever. But like, like this is the inaugural season of Allegiant Stadium. Like this is a big deal in a new city. Like this is a, this is like, you know, this is a historical season for the now Las Vegas Raiders. And so, you know, how do you determine who can and can't, um, you know, like on some sort of privilege system? Like I just, I'm with him. Like there's not a good way to do it. So instead of finding a way to, to try to do it, you just say, I'm not going to do it at all. And especially considering that, you know, some people are literally going to be sold out for their seats for advertisers. So, you know, I respect what he's saying here, man. And this is another, step towards you know all the evidence that mark davis is has become not even becoming but has become uh, a highly respected um you know well-placed owner in this league and and i called it out on our last show on on, on the murph fan cave network you know that 
there was a lot of people that gave this man a lot of crap from the very beginning and weren't even willing to give him a chance. And, you know, all they did was complain about him. All they did was make fun of him for a various, you know, reasons, uh, taking pot shots at him and whatnot. And, oh, yeah, by the way, here we are now from 2011 to 2020, and we're talking about one of the most valuable franchises in the league with a brand-new facility uh, for, uh, you know, for training, a brand-new playing facility, um, all of the corporate sponsorships, all of the backing of the league, things that the Raiders, aside from their heyday in the early 80s, haven't had. We have not been this highly functional of an organization and with this many opportunities and with this many uh, amenities around this team in many of our listeners' lifetimes. So anybody that took all those pot shots and talked all that, pardon my language, but talked all that about Mark Davis way back when, all of you ought to take all of that back and take a step back and realize what this guy has freaking done because this guy has balled out for us as Raider fans. And that's, a, frankly, all I care about. Do what's best for us as a fan. Do what's best for this organization and give it the best opportunities for winning. And that's what this guy has done. I'm not saying you have to like every little thing that he does and be some blind loyalist, but what I am telling you is that you've got to be able to appreciate what this dude has done. And when he makes statements like this, he's taking your back. He's fighting the league on your behalf, which is exactly what his dad would have done. Props, Mark. Yeah, I agree with you. But if I could take the other side of this argument just for a faux debate, uh, a lot of Raider, I've read a couple of things from Raider Nation or Oakland fans, and they're saying, why didn't he put this much, you know, faith in public into getting a stadium in Oakland? Again, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But they're like, man, he's all out front. You know, he's being a champion for Vegas and Raider Nation right now during the turmoil. But he didn't really he gave up in Oakland yeah, and because Oakland crapped on him and it wasn't Oakland fan. It was Oakland, the city. They continually took a dump on Mark Davis. Literally, when there was sewage running through the Oakland Coliseum, they continually crapped on the Raiders and everybody else in the Bay Area continually crapped on the Raiders until finally he said, you know what? I'm out of here. You can have it. You know what I mean? Like you're only going to beat your head against the wall so many times before you say F it. I'm out of here, man. Like, so any of those fans stifle yourself. Cause it, and listen, it wasn't you anyways. It was the city of, if you want to blame somebody, blame your local politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can understand. I can understand why they're salty. You know, like I can understand it uh, because it looks like, you know, Mark Davis is 100% out front. So that will rub some people the wrong way because they're already hating on him. So they're going to hate on him even more for whatever he does. But I agree with you. I love this statement. But when I first heard it, I was like, BS, bro. You're telling me you're the owner of a team at a new stadium and they're probably going to play football. You're not even going to go get some hot dogs, get some PF chains and sit in the damn box and watch Henry Ruggs, who you drafted and paid a bunch of millions of dollars. I'm like, I don't know, man. I would probably hide out in the corner. I'm still going to (laughs) go. But I like what he said publicly, you know, in defense of Raider Nation and the season ticket holders. But I think he's going to go. I think he's going to, if there's no fans, I still think he's going to go to a game and watch a game or two somehow. And I think he should. So any other thoughts on that? No, man. I've already got served every Oakland fan riled up at me right now anyways. And, and hear me loud and clear on that. 
Look, it's not Oakland fan, man. Like I've have done. Like, look, I'm a, I'm not an Oakland guy. I'm a San Jose guy, but I'm a Bay Area guy. And uh, and and through the entirety of this process, you guys, the Oakland fans that were in the tailgate every week, I'm talking about the people that live in Oakland that had to deal with the same, you know, uh, politicians and 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 bureaucrats that the Raiders have had to deal with. Those people are the ones that I'm talking to. Like, there's been no one been wronged more than you in this whole process of the Raiders leaving because you're stuck in the middle because you're the ones that are showing up every week. You're the ones that are at the tailgates. You're the ones that are supporting this team week in, week out. And unfortunately, local representation did not represent that fandom, did not representation, did not represent that passion. And you got left in the cold on that. And I think, and that is completely unfair to those Oakland Raider fans. And so that my, my comments are not taking a shot at, at, at those people that were affected. It's 100% and has been consistent. You can roll back every damn episode that we've ever done of this show. It is 100%. My criticism has been levied at, 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 at Libby Schaff and all, everybody else that was involved with with completely, again, crapping on the Raiders throughout the entirety of the process, and that's what drove Mark Davis away. It had nothing to do with fandom. Yeah, again, we can't reiterate the past. I'm proud they got a new stadium, uh, but we haven't heard the L.A. Rams owner say that they're not attending games or stuff like that. Because that stadium's so not going to be done anyways. They're going to be playing in soccer stadiums. Uh, really, I thought it was going to be done this year for some reason in the back of my mind. Huh? Yeah, it might be, but it's been through tons and tons of delays. And you know, if that would have been the Raiders stadium, every freaking swinging stupid journalist on the planet would be taking shots at the Raiders going, oh, see, we told you, we told you. But no, in fact, we got this gorgeous Allegiant stadium that's going to be done completely on time and no one's singing its praises except for people that are part of Vegas media. Correct. So long story short, I love what Mark Davis said. Very, very interesting to me um, that he's coming out and saying that. But I hope I think you should attend a game if you have the chance to to see that stadium. I think you should go. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, cancel culture. Uh, I don't know what that means, but the Washington football team, uh, the NFL, has apparently been taken over by cancel culture. Whether you agree or not, it's very interesting. But uh, on YouTube, you can no longer write the word Redskins or say it, even though I did. I hope I don't get hit by the algorithm. But uh, it's very, very interesting. So what are your thoughts on, I guess, cancel culture in general and the name change for the Redskins? And do you think anything will ever affect the Raiders in that category? No, I, I don't think it'll ever affect the Raiders. Well, let me take these things one at a time because this is pretty complicated here. So let me let's let yeah. me do this. So, Trust me, I don't know how to write questions. That's okay. So uh, in terms of the name, it's long overdue that it be eliminated. So I don't think that's directly related to the cancel culture question. So I think that it's fair that the that the Redskins or former Redskins are changing their name. I think they should have for a very long time now because I think that any reference to someone's skin tone no matter how innocent or whatever it was intended, it's still the bottom line is, is that people, groups of people being referred to by their skin tone is not good. That's not the way that we need to roll as humanity. Let's stop doing that to I'm, one another. I'm an please. NFL purist, bro. I'm going to miss just the thought and the idea of the Redskins because I'm an NFL purist. It's not for the fact of the racism. I get that. But like, you're like me, like we love NFL films. Like, are they going to get rid of those videos and stuff like that? No, like, they're not going to get rid of videos, but it's, it's look, don't be afraid of change, man. That's what this whole life is full of. And people that are afraid of change, 
You got a long road ahead of you, man, because look, that's the way, the way that life works. It changes and you have to embrace it and you have to get used to it and you have to move along with it. And so the idea that this name is being changed is a good thing. So th that's going to happen. Now, the name they chose is stupid as crap. Washington football team is dumb. And now I get it that so many people squatted on so many different names and like bought rights to them and whatever. So there was, uh, you know, all these different things so that they couldn't, they had, they had no choices uh, in really what they had to do. So they landed on this. But I should have, I think they should have found a way, regardless of how much it cost you, regardless of what rights you had to buy, regardless of whatever. And maybe these things are still in play and we just don't know it. Maybe this is just temporary for this year, but they should have been the Washington Red Tails. This would have been a perfect opportunity to honor the Tuskegee Airmen. And if you don't know who they are, who the Tuskegee Airmen were in World War II, uh, an African-American um, Air Force or not Air Force, before we had the Air Force, it was like the Army Air Corps or whatever. But anyways, there's this group of African-American pilots that helped turn the tide of the war. And so that would have been an excellent opportunity for us to honor them. There's a great movie that George Lucas did. His last big studio movie was called Red Tails, and it will tell you the, the, the story of the, of, the, of the Tuskegee Airmen. And there are other Tuskegee Airmen movies as well. They're well documented throughout history. But so if you're not familiar, go figure it out. But that would have been great. You could add the planes, you know, that would have been like great mascots. Like it would have been really cool, like imagery and stuff around it. And I thought a really cool way to honor those. And what better than to tie that to the team that plays in Washington? Washington, D.C. So I thought that would have been great. Now, so that said, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And that's just me just just throwing stuff out there. But I think all in all, this is a good thing for the NFL. And this is a good societal thing for us to, to do this. Now, let me let me hit on the other subject. And this I can keep kind of brief, too. Um, and look, I'm not afraid to dip into to tough subjects. And I don't think that um, uh, we should be because when you dip into tough subjects it allows for conversation it allows for debate and when you debate each other and you have conversations about things then that's what leads to awareness that's what leads to resolution and that so i said that to say this i'm not afraid to and tackle any subject i can't read the chat right now but whatever you guys are saying in the chat i will gladly engage with you in any of those things R whether it's racism gender identity whatever politics it doesn't matter to me i'll engage in all of it but here's the bottom line when it comes to this whole cancel culture thing this whole idea that ooh, somebody said something or did something that i don't like so let's remove them from existence that's not how we grow we only grow by talking to one another. Now, I'm not talking about like egregious acts against children or, you know, God forbid the things like that someone like Bill Cosby did or things like I get that. I understand the egregious nature of things, but innocuous comments and things that people may say or do that were that were intended as a joke, but did not come out the right way, or maybe even be rooted in, in some form of, of racism or whatnot. You have to have a conversation about it in order to bring awareness. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. Deshaun Jackson came out not long ago and made some very anti-Semitic comments. Julian Edelman didn't cancel him. Julian Edelman is, a, is a, a, a Jewish guy, not a practicing Jew, but a Jewish guy reached out to him and they connected and they talked about things. And now they're going to share space on different platforms discussing relations between you know, African-Americans and between people of the Jewish faith to all this, like that's going to go to the museum too. They're yes. Go to the museum that's how we grow. That's you want to fix racism. 
That's how we fix it. We freaking talk to each other. So don't cancel anybody for saying something stupid. Reach out to them and try to bring some knowledge to their world. Try to encourage. And if they're, and then if at that point, they just say, no, I know what I know. And I think what I think. And I was raised when I'm raised and you're this and you're that. And you can't change my mind. Well then F them, then cancel them. But this whole notion of like somebody did something or you dredged up a tweet that somebody did 10 years ago that had some lyrics in it like come on man like this that whole idea we've got to move that past put past that as a society we've got to talk to one another and if you after talking to somebody you find out they're an asshole well then cancel them but until then we got to talk to one another yeah i mean i i totally agree and i love the name the red tails i, I thought that was a fantastic name I, I didn't even think about it i haven't had the thought about it i really don't care i'm just an nfl purist and i'm afraid that you know like jerseys are are gonna be you know like if you wear a redskin jersey people are gonna call you out in the streets if they're a redskin fan or the nfl videos are gonna be taken offline because of the name redskins if they're gonna go back to cgi get rid of the logos you know like that's the fear that i have because i'm an nfl purist but i completely understand that it needed to go but the one thing that relates to the raiders and i don't know why the nfl or the media is not talking about this more because in terms of equality the damn Raiders are the number one organization in the entire NFL that has truly done the most for minorities throughout the history. So why are we talking about the badness of the Redskins? Why aren't they talking about everything Al Davis and the Raiders did for that community? And like you said, true change does not happen out front by by the NFL giving money to social justice and all this other stuff, they need to get minority owners. They need to get my, more minority coaches. They need to get all that other stuff into the actual NFL. And that brought us to our next segment. The Raiders are the best teams in terms of equality. And I think the NFL should make commercials about how the the rest of the NFL should lead like the the Raiders and Al Davis did Absolutely. in their Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but the NFL in my opinion is really tone deaf to all of this injustice, fairness, diversity, opportunity as you can see on screen. I'm asking you the question, is the NFL tone deaf? They're throwing money, they're creating organizations, they're making videos, but yet there's still not many minority owners. And, you know, the Rooney rule is still being bypassed and all that other stuff. And the kneeling, you know, now they want to put decals on helmets this season with names of, you know, like injustice or people that, you know, got injured or whatever. And then a black anthem. Like, to me, as a white person, I'm appalled by some of this stuff. Like, why are you going to separate anthems and you're making a racial divide by putting two different anthems. I mean, the NFL, they, just, they seem tone deaf to me. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. I mean, stickers on the helmet? I don't know, Murph. It pisses me off what the NFL is doing. They're not doing it right. The change comes from within. Within the locker room, within the NFL, within the teams, within the owners. It doesn't come from, you know, new national anthems, decals on helmets. I don't know. I'm pissed off. But what is your thoughts on the NFL and how they're trying to inspire change? Do you believe they're tone deaf? No, I think they're trying to do the right thing. And I think that you have to honor, you know, when you, when you look at the makeup of an NFL roster, it's populated by black men. Like, I mean, that's, there's no getting around that. And it's, and we shouldn't want to get to get around that. And so you have to honor what's going on in these men's lives and what their realities are. And their realities are different than yours and mine. And it doesn't matter that many of them are multimillionaires and that many of them have had, you know, quote, a privileged life in terms of, you know, opportunity and things like that. They're still having to encounter things that you and I don't have to encounter. And so I get it that what the NFL is trying to do and, and to honor that play. And, and I think that that's a respectable notion. Now, what I also think, there's not like a great way to, to go about this that you're not going to piss somebody off. And here's what the danger of living in this whole Twitterverse and this whole you know woke society that we're, we're, a lot of uh, folks are trying to promote is that you're never going to make everybody happy. Like someone is going to get pissed off along the way. So what now the NFL is doing along with a lot of these other businesses is that they're choosing when and where they're going to piss people off based on their bottom lines. And that's where this stuff gets yucky to me. And that's where this whole idea of like, you know, like the, even the continuing of the kneeling and whatnot, it's becoming a brand and that I'm not a fan of. Like I get the, the initial message behind it. I get, and even supported the original reasons for it to, to be able to, you know, demonstrate in protest, in peaceful protest about injustices of the world. I get it, man. But now that's not what this is. And this is becoming now people's brands and people are now making money off of it. And now they're promoting these different foundations and organizations and all this stuff. And it spins up into this whole corporate America thing. And it's ridiculous. And for, you know, like Nike is the most egregious of them. And look, and I'm not the guy that's going to be like, I'm never going to buy Nike shoes or whatever. I rock Nike still. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about like that, but when you look at what they're doing, if you think that this is about, you know, um, the plight of humanity or, or a certain group of people or race of people, even there could be no more, you know, no more hypocrisy evident other than, than in a company like Nike. When you look at what their history has been in their manufacturing facilities and what they don't care about people, they don't care about humanity. It's evident in the NBA. Like they want to promote all these different, um, uh, you know, initiatives, but yet they make more money out of China and in and, and the suppression of people in, in that communist regime than any other country. And it's like, like these, that's now become a joke. And I think that's a shame because the initial reasons for all this stuff were valid and needed to be brought to the forefront. And then so, so I don't like that. I don't like the branding of it. I don't like the corporations taking over. And then this is the last thing that I'll hit you with is that we can't be blind to this stuff. This is not me saying, well, this doesn't need to be there. Look, protest has existed in sports literally going back to the beginning of time, beginning to the beginning of sports, back to the earliest forms of Olympics and whatever. There's been protests. I, I get all that. And though, so it's, I'm not saying that it's misplaced. But what I am saying is this, though. When it starts overtaking 
the sport, when it becomes such a prominent um, message or existence within the sport, you're going to really start looking for ways to divide people. And that's sad because I used to always describe football as this to people that weren't as much of a fan as I was. There has never been a place in my life other than a football huddle and church where you had groups of men holding hands in union with one another, focused on, on a common goal. And it's, and you could even translate that up to the fans in the stands. When you look at uh, what was, was the Oakland Coliseum, it didn't matter what your skin color was. It didn't matter what, what political party you were aligned with. It didn't matter, you know, how much money you made. It didn't matter who you were married to. None of that stuff mattered. When the Raiders scored a touchdown and I turned around and high-fived you, all that mattered was that you were wearing silver and black too, because politics and all this other stuff did not does not exist in that forum and sports once upon a time used to be a great unifier for us and so uh, i think that we could all use to get back to a little bit of that in this country we could use to get back to a little bit of the great unifier the things that break down all the barriers and the things that bring us together not find reasons to split us apart so wherever all this stuff goes I don't know, man, and I far from have the answers. And I look forward to hearing what everybody in the chat has to say. And I look forward to engaging with you at a future time. And if you want to engage with us, be on our show or send me an email or a tweet. My, you got my, my Twitter handles right there. I would love to engage on this stuff because that's how we can find you know, ways through this and find ways to heal, heal our communities, heal our society, and then really freaking and be able to enjoy, you know, games together as NFL fans. And most importantly here as Raider nation, as one big freaking family. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, like the NFL has made so many mistakes, even from the Colin Kaepernick days of, you know, when it first started and then, you know, when a problem arises, I just feel like they throw money at it. You know, they think that's a solution and it's really not, you know, like money does not heal everything. Yes, it helps people, but it doesn't heal everything. And, you know, I think they should heal from within instead of publicly, you know, and then decals on helmets, decals on helmets, you know, of, you know, injustice, people's names, uh, corporations like Black Lives Matter, whatever, like, the NBA did it and the players, they're, they're like, what? It, it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm not going to put Trayvon Martin's name on my jersey when I'm LeBron James. You know, like, even though I respect and I want to, you know, promote the injustice, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, let's give, it's like the NFL gives them little things. Oh, you guys can now, you, you couldn't kneel before, but you can kneel now, right? But we're also going to give you an anthem, you know? Because you guys are separate, you don't. You want to kneel during the American anthem? We're going to give you the black anthem. Well, oh, we're going to give you decals on helmets. How do you determine? See, and that's this is this is the slippery slope, and this is why I don't think any of this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because how, how do you determine? You determine the well, not that, but I'm talking about the decals on the helmet. So, like, I get like, okay, you have to like salute the service month, right? And they have the opportunity to put, <coughs> excuse me, and they have the opportunity to put decals on the helmets for um whatever branch of the service they choose you have the or charities sometimes well hold on i'm getting to that you have the, you have the cancer the right awareness month right and so you can put the different color ribbons on your helmet for whatever form of cancer that you you know you, you want to rally like whether it's it's you know in, in youth or breast cancer or whatever right so i i get those notions now if there's like a certain 
time frame where you say this is, you know, in, I hate to even, I see, this is why this stuff is ugly. Cause here I am some middle-aged white dude going like, well, yeah. if it's injustice month, then you can put whatever branded injustice you want on your helmet. See how silly that sounds. So like, how do you determine and tell players like what is worthy and what is not worthy to put on your helmet? Because what is, what is valued and what is uh, in terms of awareness to, to one is not to the other. So it's just crazy, man. And so I don't, I don't think this stuff is a really good idea. And I'm with, I'm with you. Handle it inside. Pastors will tell you all the time, don't rally against the political party. Don't rally against the system. Handle your house. Handle your house. Take care of your house. You know what? Because people learn racism from their parents. You're raised as that. Let's take care of our own damn houses. And then all of this stuff changes going out forward. Putting a damn decal on someone's helmet isn't going to fix racism. How you fix racism is in the freaking house. So call it out when you see it, when you see it in your neighbor or your family member or whatever else. Let's handle our business first, white people. And then maybe we can grow past this stuff and we have to worry about putting damn stickers on helmets. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. I'm so boxing tonight. Uh, It's just tone deaf to me. I mean, they're they're a corporation. Um, They had wardrobe rules for many years, you know, even a couple years back. And now all of a sudden they're, oh, you know, let's give them something. You know, let's make them happy. They can wear decals little by little. You know, maybe they'll let them put on shoes with injustice. It's just make a rule and stick by it. But then, like you said, fix racism in-house, bring on more minority coaches, make programs to get coaches into the NFL system. Do that. That's how you you solve some of these issues. Let's move on because it's a very tough thing to talk about. Um. So let's talk about some positivity. I mean, how amazing does the stadium look nowadays? Uh, how proud are you of it? Uh, the training facility that we're seeing on screen, uh, it's apparently going to be 100% cashless. It's now the second stadium in the NFL that's cashless. The Atlanta stadium has no cash. You got to get cards and everything. But um just how proud are you of our stadium? Like, how good does it look in the facility for our Raiders? Oh, I couldn't be more proud, man. You know, um, I've said this, I feel like a lot late, lately here, but, um, you know, I was, uh, I've been going to the Oakland Coliseum since before I was born. My mom was pregnant with me when she went to the 1972 World Series. And, uh, and, and, and I've been going back there ever since with my uh, different family members and friends to A's games and Raiders games. And I've seen the Rolling Stones there. I've seen monster truck rallies there. I've seen motocross. I've seen, I mean, I've been to the Oakland Coliseum a lot. I've been to the arena a lot and went and saw a lot of Warriors games and car shows and, the, um, you know, the Oakland Roadster shows. And I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time around that place. And as much as I loved it, it was a dump, man. Like it, it eventually became Mordor and we walked into it every Sunday proudly, but you know, it was not a good facility anymore. You know what? (laughs) You know, I'm not going to miss pissing in a trough underneath three feet of weed smoke in the bathroom. Like, I'm just not going to miss that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not going to miss parking, you know, eight miles away. Um, I will miss the tailgates. I'll miss the people. I'll miss those parts of it because that's what made up the facility was, was Raider nation. Um, but in terms of like, you know, the amenities, and whatnot like no it was not great now there is something that was very special about like going to a night game you know that black sky everybody in the crowd wearing black the bright green field like it was pretty man but 
it wasn't this kind of pretty man this what we're seeing here now these pictures of this facility like i couldn't be prouder like I, and it's again it's like it's that whole embrace change thing like i'm ready for something new like i went to the coliseum for 47 years 47 years like okay i'm ready to go see somewhere else I'm ready to go sit in a new stadium and, and watch the Raiders play, you know, and, and, I, and the, they were playing in the Oakland Coliseum a lot longer than, than my 47-year-old self, right? So um, I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's an amazing accomplishment. It's absolutely beautiful. And this whole notion that now we have a facility and a series of facilities that are only rivaled by maybe the star in Dallas, um, I think it's pretty freaking proud or pretty cool. And we should be pretty freaking proud, Raider Nation. Yeah, that's why I don't agree with Mark Davis's statement saying he's not going to go to a game because I'm like, I don't care if there's no fans. I'm going to that stadium. I'm going to sit in there alone like a king. I'm going to be like, what's up? Give me some hot dogs and some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if we beat the Kansas City Chiefs back because it's root. Root, root for the Vegas Raiders. If they don't win, it's a referee shame. (laughs) Because it's one, two, three strikes, you're out, whatever. But I love it. I'm very proud of it. And I'm so damn sad. That's all I'm going to say. So if there are a few fans allowed this year, whether it be 5,000, 10,000, whatever the case is, those people consider yourself very, very lucky, very, very blessed to experience this stadium however it pans out i'll be there raider nation i'm i may not go to the game but i'm gonna be in vegas for the opening week uh cody and i are gonna do a live uh pregame show actually it's cody's show i'm gonna uh, join him on it uh at the stage door casino uh right there on the strip in vegas and uh and so even though we probably won't get a chance to go to the game i'm gonna be watching that sucker from the vegas or from the link or from the vegas from the stage door or from the link or one of those places uh right down there so if you're in vegas hit your boy murph up oh my god fantastic time all right it's time to move on and like i said it's cashless do you have any like that freaked me out when i found out it was cashless like uh i don't know do you did you have any issues with that straight interesting to me straight cashless homie straight cashless homie like you said all right we didn't review the draft because we haven't had a show due to my fault but give me a quick draft review um and you know about the players picked up and where you thought their fill need or grade them whatever you know just give me a quick draft review because we didn't do one on this show all right i'm going to give you a one-liner on every guy here all right so henry ruggs is speed kills he is cliff branch 2.0 uh damon arnett uh, potentially physical man-to-man corner, way underrated in terms of his draft position. Lynn Bowden Jr., he is a Swiss Army knife. He's going to bring the kind of versatility that, the, that we haven't seen since Marcel Reese, although he's a different body type, different position, but a lot of versatility from Lynn Bowden Jr., and it's Bowden, not Bowden. Uh, Brian Edwards is going to be the next version of Michael Crabtree in terms of his vice grips for hands. Uh, Derek Carr misses Crabtree more than he misses Amari Cooper. He needs that guy. They can high point a ball in the back of the end zone. Brian Edwards is that guy, and he's going to make a big impact on this offense. Tanner Muse, uh, almost another Swiss Army knife, but on the defensive side of the ball, is going to come in at linebacker, and I think going to bring a lot of uh, uh, a lot of spirit, we'll say, to that secondary. John Simpson, big guard from Clemson, going to hold it down at the guard spot. Man, we're we're gonna we're gonna start aging out pretty quick on the interior of our line, and I think that John Simpson is going to bring a nice presence there and has the ability to develop over a couple of years and maybe my favorite pick 
uh, aside from Brian Edwards is Amik Robertson uh, came out of a small school, Louisiana Tech, and played in this plays in the same conference as, as my school, which is MTSU. And uh, Amik Robertson can bring it, man. Uh, my only concern about him is that he's a little bit undersized, and so I'm hopeful and hoping he's not going to go the way of like a Bob Sanders, the old safety for the Colts, if you remember him, a dude that absolutely flew around the ball and and packed a punch when he arrived arrived with purpose at the ball carrier. Um, but unfortunately, with that smaller frame, wasn't able to stand up to the rigors of the NFL um, with today's you know uh, conditioning and whatnot. I don't I'm I'm just again that's not me speaking that over him, but that's is definitely a concern that came up, and that's why he lasted to the fourth round. But in terms of intensity and just freaking bringing it, man, he is going to bring a lot to our secondary, and cannot wait to watch this crop of young men uh, join the Raiders this season. Yeah, again, I didn't know what they were doing during the draft while I was watching it. I was freaking out on every pick, but that's what Mikey Raider does. Uh, But I understood it after looking at it at the end of the draft, and I kind of understood what they did, what they did, and where they did it. And, you know, these men are growing on me. Uh, But I have a lot of concerns because of the COVID-19 pandemic for these players. Uh, Last year's draft class, almost every draft pick hit. Um, and can they repeat that this year? It, it, it's hard to do it once, let alone two times. Uh, but, you know, they're looking good. And But Henry Ruggs and these other players, they have not been in OTAs or anything, and they have to come up to speed quickly. And they're in Las Vegas, uh, Sin City. They're young players. Now they got money. I have a lot of concerns for, you know, this draft class in terms of they might not be up to speed early, but down the final four or five games last year, our rookies were playing that much better, you know, in the last four or five games of last year, Mad Max Crosby and everybody else. So I think Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, again, they're going to be the leaders at their respective position for what they do but I think they're going to struggle early on and often. And I unfortunately think we're going to lose a lot of games early, but this draft class can be a home run when it's all said and done by the end of the season with all these players and the expectations that they have. This might be the best draft class for the Raiders since 2014, even past last year when it's all said and done. Uh, with these players, their abilities, and their talents. Do you see every player making the team, even the late-round draft picks? Absolutely, because your latest-round picks are fourth-rounders. So, yes, there's no seventh-rounders, no sixth-rounders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, every single one of these guys is going to make the Raiders. All right. All right, we're now into the Vegas Raiders 2020 training camp preview, even though we did the draft. Uh, So, the new facility, we got – the Raiders to train in. Hopefully they can get on the field. They don't have to wear these keychains that socially distance themselves from all the equipment. I do not know. Uh, the facility looks fantastic. I am very, very excited. And it's like a new coat of paint. Like you feel good in a fresh room with a new coat of paint. Ain't that right? That's exactly right, Mikey. That's right. 818 Raider chimed in with a huge donation. Uh, so thank you, 818 Raiders. He's chiming in with Raiders. I love you, 818 Raider. You've always supported all of our channels, and we thank you. Thank you very um, much. 
All right, so let's get into the position breakdown. Um, let's start with cornerbacks. Do you have any? Um, oh, we lost you again, Mikey. Why are we losing? There we go. Got you now. Do you have any issues with certain players making the team? Who do you think will be the studs at the cornerback position and whatnot? Uh, well, I think it's interesting that we might have a year one and a year two guy starting at corner between Mullen and Arnett. Uh, of course, without the the luxury of the preseason and like you mentioned, all the OTAs and whatnot, I think it's going to slow the learning curve of someone like Damon Arnett. But now all of a sudden we've got Prince of Mukamara that can step in. It can definitely be a day one starter for the team. So uh, I'm encouraged, man. I think that for the first time in, in, a, in a hot minute, we've got some depth there. And, you know, while LaMarcus Joyner is listed there as a corner, um, he's going to be more of a slot guy. He's not going to be one that's going to line up and cover, you know, wide receiver receiver one or two but that's okay like we don't need him to we need him they they the Raiders brought him in to be a slot corner so let's let him be a slot corner because most of the teams are going three or four wide anyways nowadays so I think it's great and uh and I'm, I'm encouraged um by what we have at corner um could we have a little bit more depth still yeah maybe and so then we're going to need somebody like Isaiah Johnson uh at a last year's draft or even an Evan Lawson to kind of step up and, and and fill it out and round it out for us but as far as like our immediate depth goes i'm encouraged man i think it looks pretty good so they have listed prince amuka amara muka as the starter and trayvon mullen do you think prince amakamura is the starter alongside trayvon mullen in that position battle at cornerback or yeah. do you think it's arnett works his way to the top or the free agents like isaiah johnson or, or i'm sorry lamarcus joiner whatever yeah i guess maybe you didn't hear me on that yeah th that's exactly what i just said that Arnett was going to work his way up because of the the restrictions based on the uh, uh, without no OTAs, no preseason. Okay, yeah, sorry, forgive me. I, I guess I must not have heard you correctly. This show is just going out with, without no hitches, ain't it? <laughs> well, hey, man, it's the first of our of our season here, so apparently we've got some gremlins to work out. All right, is there a position battle at tight end, or you know? <laughs> Uh, there's not really a position battle, but what yeah. are your thoughts on the tight end position? I love it, man. I love this tight end room. This is killer. And, you know, Witten is still going to have a little bit in the tank in terms of uh, uh, in terms of a red zone target. But, you know, Will Compton confirmed it, man, when, when we had him here. Again, this wasn't anything that was on the air. This was just in conversation. He's absolutely a leadership hire. Like, this is a guy that you're talking about, young men in there, Foster Marone, Darren Waller, um, that, that, you know, they're going to need guidance from, uh, from the old dog. And, and, you know, even more so than just in the tight end room, though, one of the things that I think that has been a challenge for Derek Carr has been leadership and not in terms of like his ability to lead. Cause I think he's a good man. He's a good example. He's, he's a, if anything about Derek Carr, we've always praised him for has been his off the field in his locker room presence. But I do think there is a case to be made for with that heavy layer of responsibility, it could potentially keep him from other things like 
worrying about just being a quarterback. Like, just go out there and be the best player you possibly could be. So when you have a guy like Witten in the building who's able to absorb some of that responsibility and to be able to be that leader in the clubhouse, if something goes wrong, Witten can be the guy to handle business, not necessarily Derek Carr. You know, who, what two better guys than to have Rodney Hudson and Jason Witten taking over as, obviously, Huddy's already a captain, but to have Hudson and... And, and Witten be the captains of this offense and be the guys that can really run the room and Derek doesn't have to worry about it. Like, I think that's a perfect scenario and I think that's what the Raiders were doing when they brought in Jason Witten. Does Derek Carrier make the team? Probably. I mean, yeah, if they're going to carry four and most teams do, and absolutely, I think that, they, that he does. All right, let's move on to a linebacker. This is a big position of need, and there's going to be a lot of battles at the linebacker position, um, you know, for supremacy, if you want to call it that. Uh, who do you see in the battle at linebacker? Well, I'm for the boys, so I'm hoping that uh, the Raiders re-sign number 51, Will Compton, and he comes in there and leads the crew. Uh, um, but, yeah, that's me being silly. But seriously, though, I really do hope the Raiders re-sign Comp. And, uh, and, br and bring him in just for all the exact same reasons that I just gave you about Jason Witten. All those things apply to Will Compton as well. Will Compton is an absolute leader. He's a vet. He's a cagey dude. He gets it. He knows, he understands work ethic. He understands, look at when Tyre Whitehead struggled last year, who, when they pulled the green dot from him, who got it? It was Will Compton. Who's captaining our defense at the end of the year? Will Compton. And when you take his stats in the nine games that he played as a Raider, and if you were to extrapolate that out over a 16 game season, guess who the leading tackler would have been for the Oakland Raiders last year? Will Compton. So the dude, man, he can play. He's still got a lot in the tank. He's only 30 years old. So I definitely hope that they bring him back. Now, granted, he's not signed now. And, uh, and, and so that's, there's not a huge case to be made for him. But I think that there's room for it once these things shake out. Because Littleton's the man. Littleton, when you look at the way that he played, just go back and watch the Super Bowl against the Patriots and look at the plays that, that Corey Littleton was making in that game, deflecting passes, forcing fumbles. He intercepted Tom Brady. How many people have intercepted Tom Brady in a Super Bowl before? I don't even know that answer off the top of my head either, but I know it ain't many, but I know Corey Littleton's one of them. Like, this guy's legit, man, so he's definitely going to be our day one starter. He's going to be the field general. He's going to be the guy calling the shots, and then after that, you fill it out with Kwiatkowski and, and, and Nick Morrow and Markel Lee and whatnot, but I think that the depth, again, runs out real quick once you get past Kwiatkowski and maybe even a Tanner Muse, and that's where Compton, man, I'm telling you, I would not be shocked if Will Compton got extended an offer and, and ended up back uh, in Oakland again th this upcoming season and especially considering the idea that they're on a shortened uh, time frame here so the learning curve needs to be shortened well what better way to shorten the learning curve than to bring in the guy that was the captain of the defense last year like do that so i think that's ultimately where it's going to go we'll see look i mean you know that is well said and depending on covid players testing positive if they're quarantined for a few weeks or games will compton knows the system a little bit he's available so that is definitely a possibility. But what position would he take over? I think Nick Kwiatkowski is going to take over the will linebacker, Corey Littleton, again, barring COVID stuff. Uh, middle linebacker is Corey Littleton. And it, the only spot available might be strong side linebacker for Will if he's brought on. But I believe the linebackers are set for now. 
but well, you're they, right. And they don't, yeah. and they don't follow a strict like four, three setup here where we're talking about, you know, a, a week strong and a middle linebacker. I mean, linebacking cores nowadays, much like safeties, it's hybrids, right? You don't, the, the days of like, Oh, you're a strong and you're a free safety. Those kind of those days are over like this whole. So you, you have your linebacking core and they have different assignments within them. And you know, you need to be three or four deep. And right now I see that we're about two deep. I mean, unless, and I don't even like on this list in particular, they got Nick Morrow listed in there. I think Markel Lee is above him uh, on that uh, above Nick Morrow. I don't think that the Raiders are, are entirely sold on, on Nicholas Morrow. And I would, I would imagine if anybody is going to be displaced, it will be him. And then uh, probably not Kyle Wilbur because of his special teams contributions, but you know, that's another thing that Compton can contribute on his special teams. So anyways, um, but I think that's where it's going to go and, and they're not going to be Homer, necessary by label. Homer. Hey, I'm for the boys, man. And you know what I mean? And Hey, and look, and if, the, and if I didn't have this, uh, green screen set up here behind me, he also autographed a game Jersey for me that I've got now hanging up and, and featured here in the fan cave. Uh, yeah, good dude. So call me a Homer if you want, but, uh, but I really am. That's an objective opinion. That's aside from look, I mean, you know, Will Compton was a great dude and a lot of fun to hang out with, but I wouldn't, I'm not telling you that cause I think he's cool. I'm telling you that no, cause I think there is, a, there is a possibility depending on COVID and needing players I'm saying, man. It makes that sense. he might be the best available. Yeah. I wouldn't say this if I didn't really believe it. And it's, that's the truth, man. It's the absolute truth. All right. Let's move on to running back. Uh, there is a, a battle for running back, whether it be the third string or the backup running back to Josh Jacobs. Again, they might not go by that formula, but do you see Devontae Booker working out and surpassing Jalen Richard for maybe the second string or the third string back? I don't think so. I think when you're talking about the contract that Richard got and the, and the, you know, the production that he's had in this offense and the familiarity and everything, I don't think he gets displaced as the, uh, as the second guy there. And I love Lynn Bowden being listed as a running back. I think he's going to be your emergency third quarterback. And I think that we're going to see a lot of, I hate to call it gimmicky, but we'll just call it creative, offensive sets with these guys in you know i mentioned that he's kind of like the you know the smaller version a little bit different skill set than a marcel reese but that versatility uh is there and he'll be able to move all over over the field and i just love this idea that and maybe because of the restrictions in practice and otas and preseason maybe we won't see it but i think that there's a very uh, distinct possibility. This is just Murph theory. I don't know a damn thing other than being a fan, but how exciting would it be to see Mariota Carr and Lynn Bowden, all three in the backfield at the same time. And you know what I mean? Wow. And we've seen Marcus Mariota run out and run routes and catch passes and r- catch touchdown passes. And like what, like the Titans used him in all kinds of gimmicky ways. And uh, Gruden is not certainly not above that. And I think that there's a lot of fun that you can have um, with the players that are going to be in the backfield and Lynn Bowden fits into that big time. So he even though he might be quote third on the depth chart, I think you're going to see him moving around quite a bit. Slot receiver, you know what I mean? Can you imagine you put him back there at at at, uh, at running back and then you motion him out into the slot? Like, I mean, this guy had like what a thousand yards catching at Kentucky, like wide receiver yards. Like, dude's freaking a beast, man. I, I can't wait. There's gonna be a lot of fun going on in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, after the signing of Devontae Booker, I already love the running back room. But after the signing of Devontae Burke and the draft of Lynn Bowden with his versatility, I 1,000% love this running back room. I mean, Josh Jacobs can do everything. We know he can. Jalen Richard has become a blocker, a do-it-all type of running back, and he's just playing great. 
That's why he was deserving of the contract. Lynn Bowden, like you said, he can be a weapon, like a Cordell. What was the guy, Cordell Stewart from back slash, in the days? Slash, yeah. You know, Lynn Bowden could be the Cam Newton running back in the backfield, the Josh Allen running back, quarterback. Oh, my God. And Devontae Booker in the old age of John Gruden is that power back that can get us one or two yards on third and one and maybe fourth and one on a goal line. You know, the, you have that power back in Devontae Booker. He didn't pan out in De- um, in Denver, but we got one of the best offensive lines and we got a fullback that can block in Alec Ingold. So I am thrilled with the Devontae Absolutely. Booker signing. Absolutely. We- and, and you know, too, some about, about Lynn Bowden, too. I don't know why, for some reason, people in, think of him as a small guy. Like, he's not. He's 5'11". Like, he's not undersized at all. He's thin, like a wide receiver would be. But he's not short. So, like, that whole idea that, like, oh, he could only be, even be relegated to a, to a slot receiver, which, uh, like, I just uh, assigned him to, he could split all the way out. Like, he could be all over the damn place. Like, this guy's going to be exciting as heck, man. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the safeties. Uh, Jonathan Abram is a safety. He only played one game last year. He's a talker, but he has all the potential to be a Jamal Adams type from my perspective in a couple of years. And I'm really looking forward to him in his rookie season. That's right. I call this Jonathan Abrams rookie season. Uh, But in the safety room, is there a battle going on between Jeff Heath or anybody else in the safety room? I definitely think Jeff Heath is in the mix, man. Jeff Heath is a baller. He can, That's a guy that can play the ball pretty dang well. And when you look at some of the high, his highlight reel and you look at his interceptions and whatnot, like he's he can be a little bit of a hawk. And so I look at, you know, we got a lot of depth, man, now at safety. And that doesn't even count LaMarcus Joyner, who can, who, can, who can fit in over there. Again, that Raiders brought him on to be a slot corner, but he can if we need him to be uh, going there and play safety. Eric Harris can be a playmaker, as, as we know. Um, Tanner Muse is listed as a safety here. I think he's more the hybrid guy. I think he's more going to play down low near the, the line of scrimmage and probably cover tight ends, maybe, things like that. I don't know if he's going to be covering Travis Kelsey, but um, maybe. I don't know, you know, because that's a pretty big body to put up against somebody like LaMarcus Joyner. So instead, you let, uh, you know, you have, have Muse play down there close and get get physical with, with that guy, you know, I mean, or Hunter Henry or any of the other tight ends that we got to play this season. So, um, but when you look at the overall depth, though, of our safety room, dude, it looks good. And I'm fired up for Jonathan Abram. He, he might be my favorite of all the rookie class, or not, I call him rookie class, but all of the young players over the past couple of years of all the Mayock players, like Abram might be my favorite. And like you said, he only played one game but this dude just has raider written all over him he's got the intensity he's got the passion i love it that he's kind of goofy did you see the picture of him and amik robertson working out it's so funny amik robertson standing there and he's got this like intensity about him he's got this look on his face like he's ready to beat the crap out of the person taking the picture and then jonathan abram's going like just got the biggest cheesy, you know, crap eating grin on his face. I love it, man. I just I love his dynamic and 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 you know, he he's he reminds me of a raider. Like he's kind of silly, you know, kind of goofy, like, you know, very gregarious and all that. But when it comes to game day, at least on that one game we saw him play, he freaking brought it, dude. Like he didn't 
that didn't translate to any kind of like, he's like a Villa Piano, right? Villa Piano's like silly and like, you know, big storyteller and funny and goofy and all these things. But when he got on the field, he was taking your freaking head off, literally. Like to that idea that like Abram could be that kind of a guy that's like, you know, a lot of personality, but yet when it comes, when it's game time, just freaking hammers you. Like, I love that, man. I love it. That's, that's like the epitome of a Raider to me. Again, just look at our safety room on the chart that's above. I mean, Jonathan Abram, let's pencil him as his, in as a starter, barring any setbacks or injuries. Demarius Randall is a quality player. Jeff Heath is a quality player. Eric Harris is a quality player. So our top four safeties can play at all positions. And they would be, any one of those four players would be a starter on most NFL teams. Then you got Tanner Muse, who was a starter you know, for his respective team. Then you got the undrafted free agent that's getting a ton of praise in Javen White. Then you got Dalen Levitt, who played pretty decent to continue to be on this team. And our safety room is a thousand percent much more improved than in previous seasons. Let's just hope Paul Gunther can figure out how to use these damn players correctly because I'm getting pissed off with that. Let's go, now PG. let's move on. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. To the battle wide receiver. Do you think there's a battle for certain positions at wide receiver or is it all set in stone? I think it's completely set in stone. I think that when you look at, at the diversity that we have at wide receiver, we have the uh, one of the more unique depth charts that we've ever seen and i mean ever and now whether the expectation of the play shows up or not that's i'm not comparing these guys to past great wide receiver court i'm not comparing these guys to cliff branch and fred bolitnikoff and whatnot right i'm not going down that route but what i am telling is this is that you got Henry Ruggs the the third, who is an absolute blazer, who can you know run a nine route and outrun somebody, can split safeties on a freaking you know on on a slant, can come across on a drag route, can do all the things that I hate to even use the word Tyreek Hill, but you get what I'm saying. That's why I prefer to say Cliff Branch 2.0. When you look at that kind of explosiveness to his game, it's completely unique and different than what Hunter Renfro does. Hunter Renfro is your freaking your Doug Baldwin, your you know Julian Edelman, your slot receiver, your guy that's going to get open down low make a you know uh, possess the ball get to the ground for a first down like that's your guy there although he can run and we've seen him in, in the san diego game or whatever the stupid chargers game this year you know do that kind of that rugs thing where they where he split safeties but 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 for the play in play out much different um and then we got uh, the the young man uh, brian edwards big body Vice grips for hands, high points to football, can get open, will out-muscle you to the football, will bully you to the football. That's a completely different skill set. Then you got Williams, 
who is kind of a hybrid player. He can kind of do a multitude of things, right? Like he's pretty fast. He's got some big hops to him. He's got pretty decent hands when he's not hurt, right? Like he's got a lot of versatility to him. So I think that you're looking and then, you know, then the rest of the players kind of fill out. Um, Rico Gafford's like the third fastest player in the league and whatnot. But like, you know, Zay Jones is a little bit of a, of a hybrid player as well. But like, but those main guys that I just named Tyra Williams, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards. I think those are your four guys that you're going to see featured in this offense. And all of them do distinctly different things, which is perfect because what do you have to do to beat teams week in week out? You got to attack what they're weak at. And if you don't have versatility offensively or defensively for that matter, you can't exploit matchups. So, and the Raiders are going to be able to exploit matchups. If they got a cornerback that's weak against whatever, then that's the guy you're going to line up there over there on that side, on that player play in play out. If you've got a linebacker that's weak in coverage or you got a whatever, you're going to be able to exploit these things because you can. We haven't been able to do that before. We ran out of talent for many, many years because we didn't have depth. We didn't have diversity. Now we do. Or versatility. Whatever the hell you want to call it, we got it. Yeah, I mean, you said it right. We have depth at the running back position, and I love the, our wide receiver room. I mean, you know, let's pencil in the top three guys, Tyrell Williams, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro. But – I truly enjoy the addition of Brian Edwards as a big red zone threat, a tall guy in a Julio Jones type fashion that could possibly fight for the ball in key moments and situations. Zay Zay Jones in a second year in the system, much is to be desired of Zay Jones. We didn't see that much from him last year in a learning curve, but he's been on the field with Carr and let's hope he can put it together. But I don't have that much faith in Zay Jones this year. He's on the bubble in my aspect or opinion. Nelson Aguilar, a lot of people do not like this signing. He drops balls, whatever they want to say. But he's a veteran. He's played on championship Eagle teams. And he's in a one-year deal. And you know he wants a free agent contract to at least get some money for the future. So if he balls out this year in this system – He's going to get a free agent contract with another team for multiple millions of dollars that he thinks he deserves. And he is a good player. I see a lot from Nelson Aguilar this year. And everybody else, again, it's a crapshoot. Rico Gafford, Demorne Pearsonell, Marcel Aitman um, coming back to this team. And I don't know what's going to happen. But I think it's funny that they don't have Lynn Bowden on there as a wide receiver because they put him in the running back position. But you could also have, like you spoke about, Murph, you could have Lynn Bowden creep in there in the slot and become a wide receiver or whatever, and it's going to be a fantastic room. We got a fantastic wide receiver room, and I freaking love it. Uh, Defensive line, uh, are there any battles on defense that you think on defensive end and on defensive tackle? No, I don't think we're going to, quote, have any battles because I think we're going to see a, a rotation of depth here. And I think we're going to see a lot of guys moving up and down the line 
We don't even know if, if all the Jadevian Clowney rumors are, 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 you know, if there's any. Um, Raiders ain't got no money, man, right now. I mean. Well, they just announced. Just, well, they just announced they re-announced the salary cap, and we do. We've got like nine million bucks or whatever. And so, you know, like like Cody said, you know, the salary cap money doesn't sack the quarterback. So if you can bring him in on a deal um, that then you still remain under the cap, then then I'm, I'm with it. And But the point being, though, is that there's a, aside from within with a move like that, um, these guys are going to be moving around all over the place. You're going to see a lot of, um, of matchups and a lot of, uh, attempts to exploit, uh, weaknesses on the offensive line and, and, and with tight ends and whatnot by moving these guys all around. I don't know if you've seen Malik Collins move. I don't know if you've seen any of his workout videos or any of that stuff. He can I mean, this dude can boogie for a 300-pound man. I mean, he That's can move. That's a great free agent signing. It's a great free agent signing. And so when you look at him and you look at what the versatility that he brings, and, you know, I know, like, I've rooted for Arden Key for a long time. I don't know if he's ever going to close that last, you know, step and a half that he needs to be able to get to the quarterback. But he's around the ball a lot. He just doesn't ever close it out. Maybe this is the year that he starts to. I don't know. But point being, though, is that when you look at – Cleveland Farrell, Malik Collins, Jonathan Hankins, Max Crosby, Carl Nassib, Mo Hurst, even PJ Hall, like all these guys are going to move around a lot. And aside from somebody like, you know, maybe Hall and Hurst, you know, and Hankins, I guess, they're kind of at a lock at that interior line spot. The rest of everybody else is going to move around a bunch. Because, you know, Farrell can kick inside, Collins can kick outside, Max Crosby, I guess he's probably going to be more of a uh, of an outside exclusive runner, Nassib can kick outside or inside, like these guys are just can play a lot of places on the line, and so almost to go back to that linebacker thing, they're only defined by what their skill sets are this whole position definition those days are ending man and they're ending all over the nfl and all over the teams um but this is one that's a a, a clear example of that that these guys can freaking move around a lot yeah i have a lot of fears on the defensive side of the ball uh only because we lack in the rushing category of sacking quarterbacks we had 35 sacks last year thanks in part to you know, Max Crosby with his 10 should have been rookie of the year. Cleveland Farrell only had four and a half, but he is labeled as a defensive end. And, you know, much is to be desired. But the signing of Carl Nassib, you can mix and match Carl Nassib. He had, I think, nine sacks last season. But I'm worried about Arden Key. I'm worried about who's going to be the next person to help Max Crosby be even that much better from the defensive edge rushing position. But the interior of the line, I don't have as many concerns about. Malik Collins is a fantastic signing. Jonathan Hankins balled out last season. Maurice Hirsch is proven to be a decent starter that can handle it. P.J. Hall constantly makes the team. So we got four interior uh, defensive linemen that can get the job done. And Cleland Farrell can play inside as well if they need to, barring injury. But I think the true starters will be Max Crosby and Carl Nasheeb as the edge rushers. And then they'll bring in, you know, Arden Key and other players at different positions. But we're still, in my opinion, slightly lacking at the defensive edge rusher position. I would love to have a two-headed monster, and I don't know if we have one of those right now. All right, specialist. Uh, there, we, we do have a couple of kickers in. Do you think Daniel Carlson coming off a, a horrid couple of games last year 
Do you think he loses his position as the kicker? I think that if any one of these guys that you're looking at there uh, is at risk, it's definitely him. And it was because of those those failed kicks. What is he? He was like perfect inside the 40. And then after that, I forget what the numbers were, but they were pretty ugly. Uh, so, yeah, um, we, we could definitely use some help there. Uh, AJ Cole, though, is a lock. That guy's a stud. Yeah, they, he, he missed a few kicks and really badly. So they brought in Dominic Eberly. There's talk of, a, I think, a Japanese kicker coming in. I don't know what's going on, but they did. And then they also put A.J. Cole. I heard rumors that A.J. Cole was kicking field goals on a practice field in Las Vegas just recently. Um, and in my opinion, the NFL, to have extra spots available, you wish – a punter could be a place kicker as well. You kind of wish that, you know, then you'd have another player on the team that can kind of kick a little bit, but you can take two positions with one player in a punter and a place kicker. So I don't know if that, that's what AJ Cole is trying to do, but it was pretty interesting. But I believe Daniel Carlson writes his wrongs and he is our kicker moving forward. All right, let's go to the final battle of the day. It's not really a battle. I'm not going to talk about Derek Carr losing his job. He will not lose his job. But the backup with Mariota, the question is, will Mariota play at all this year or start a game? You guys got to watch Mersh previous podcast. We love us some Marcus Mariota around here. I don't think that Derek Carr is going to lose his job to Marcus Mariota either. But I will tell you this. If the Raiders are 1-4 going into the bye week, which is a distinct possibility considering the lineup of the team, that wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, old Marcus was our starting quarterback coming out of that bye week. Now, that said, uh, in terms of like, you know, who the backup is it's marcus like that's that's it it's that's it and and nathan peterman is going to probably be long gone and your emergency quarterback is going to be lynn bowden jr but i'm i'm serious man like if if we're one in four because look and even and i and the one is carolina which and we have not done good on the road on the east time zone let alone on the east coast all the way in carolina if the raiders are zero and five or one and four going into the bye week not only is marcus mariota uh, going to be your quarterback but rod marinelli is probably going to be your defensive coordinator and who knows what else is going to go on like because it won't be just Derek's fault but like seriously dude like we're at risk our schedule is not easy. You mentioned it earlier in the show. Those first five games are freaking tough. Now, the good news is, and I'll give you some positivity to lean on Raider Nation, if we're three and two, God forbid we're four and one going into the bye week, look out, NFL, we're back, right? Because if we get through this, that first set of games with a winning record, it's freaking on, bro. Like, it's, it's going to go down, but we'll see. One reason that could happen to win early, even though it's a bad, tough schedule for us, is because during this pandemic, we kind of already have a lot of veteran players that have been in the Gruden system for two years. So that bears well for a lot of players, even Derek Carr. And I think Derek Carr is in for an MVP statistical type season this year. I hope it translates to wins on the field. Because I would hate that scenario that, you know, we're one and four, but maybe Derek Carr is throwing 300 yards a game, 
two touchdowns, but we're still losing. And then people are going to start clamoring for his head when he's playing actually good. But our defense is continuing losing us games for whatever reason. I would hate that scenario. But I love what you said about Peterman. I don't. You're right. Maybe Peterman's not going to be on the team. He's making more money than Cam Newton. He's literally <laughs> making more money than Cam Newton this year with the Patriots. Get rid of his butt. Sign Jadavion Clowney or whoever else is available as the defensive edge rusher, and let's move on. But I'm proud to have Marcus Mariota as our backup. I think Derek Carr's going to have an MVP season. And long story short. Barring COVID-19 quarantines, I don't see Mariota starting a game for the Raiders. Now, the Raiders are going into this training camp with 80 players. That's what the NFL is allowing. And as you've been seeing, I listed how many players are on the roster at their offense position. There's 42 on offense listed right now. Then on defense, there's 35. Then at the specialist, there's actually three players that are specialists. If you add all those numbers up, that's officially 80 players. That is our training camp roster that you guys were watching on screen. Now, quickly, do you see any of these undrafted players that signed with the Raiders making the official roster, not practice squad, making the official roster of the, what, 54 or 52? No. Not even Javin White at the linebacker position taking over for Morrow or one of those other players? No, because I think they'll sign somebody like Comp to come back and play that spot and move. And now Jay might sign Javin White, but he'll be a practice squad guy. I don't think. But if any of these guys, I think you're right uh, that, that he's the guy. Because, of, again, and, and you see there, he's listed as a linebacker safety, like like what Tanner Muse would be. And I think that there's a lot of value in those hybrid-type players that can play multiple positions. But outside of that, no, none of these guys. Yeah, I think it's interesting with Javon White. And he's getting so much press and so much coverage because he is from Las Vegas. I think he might find his way onto the roster, whether it be practice squad, and maybe even play in a game or two this year. Uh, the I, other interesting wait, pickup I, is Liam McAuliffe, the long snapper, because they can save a bunch of money with letting go Trent Sieg. Trent Sieg just got a contract a couple years ago for, I think, a three-year contract, and they can save a million or something dollars if they like Liam McAuliffe, the long snapper, for the future. But that's an interesting prospect, but you want a veteran long snapper. But I was just throwing that out there. They do, and 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 on the uh, on the on the playing the Homer card there, where you talked about you know Javin White's a UNLV guy and coming home and all that. I would just offer you this, Raider Nation: don't get too caught up in the hype behind a player playing in his hometown. Because remember when we all got excited about Keelan Doss, and then Keelan Doss literally had a pass hit him in the face that he dropped in the end zone on a Hail Mary that would have won the Raiders the game, the last game in Oakland. Remember that? Like how beautiful of a story would, and this is not me crapping on Keelan Doss. I'm just saying that like, we can't get he's caught still up on the, the team, isn't he? He well, he's yeah, he's listed right now. But like, we can't get caught up in this whole notion of like the story. Look, I love the story. I love a good story, but that's not what wins you football games. Stories don't win a game. Yeah, Keelan Dosh might not even make the team this year. I don't think so, man. I think he's on pretty, a big bubble over there. Pretty interesting. I want the tight end Nick Bowers to make the team 
just so I can buy a jersey that says Bauer. Oh, there you, know, you go. Like, yeah. Because that's my last name. That's, that's a, hey, that, and I'll tell you, the biggest jersey gaffe I ever made in my life was when Lewis Murphy played for uh, the Raiders, obviously, and they he played during our AFL uh, anniversary season, and they wore those gorgeous white uh, Raider jerseys with the silver numbers on Monday Night Football against the Chargers. Do you remember this, Mikey? When when Lewis Murphy got hosed against the, the Chargers. Oh, it was on, like silver and, and glittery. Uh, it was just gorgeous jerseys with that AFL pattern on it and i've never been able to find i didn't buy one back then and i've never been able i could barely find a lewis murphy jersey as it is but that, those afl jerseys with murphy on it i'm with you dude i wish i would have bought one so hopefully if bauer makes it dude you got to get one i'm going i'm gonna find one for you somehow dude that'll be, yeah i gotta get you a murphy jersey it's gotta like be that. the afl one because you can i could probably get some chinese company to make something with a thing but it's but that afl patch on that AF on um, you know what I'm talking about on the sil the white that bright yeah, white like a, the a, silver a numbers jersey yeah it wasn't it wasn't it was before color rush this was the AFL anniversary jerseys this would have been yeah versus the Chargers what year was it 2010 I believe so yeah I believe it was 10 yeah and uh and and he got hosed on a call on a like well, that was back when they had the a rule touchdown. about they took was, a touchdown away yes and we and we lost by and we ended up kicking a field goal lost the game by four so that touchdown made all the difference in the game but those jerseys those afl anniversary jerseys with the silver numbers with the black outline and that afl patch on them number 18 murphy jersey yeah if anyone's got one i, I don't want it i'll buy it from you but i would love to have one of those damn things they're gorgeous and it's got my all name right. on it Dude, I'm gonna I'm look. I'm gonna look. I got nothing to do sometimes in life. Merv. I'm gonna be all over the internet for you. Uh, give me some bold predictions uh, for the upcoming season. Wow, I don't know, man. I mean, I well, okay. I'll tell you this. I feel like it's make or break for Derek Carr. I feel like in terms of like the honeymoon is only gonna last so long in the new stadium. And I'm really rooting for him. I mean, he's such a likable guy. He's got all the regular season stats in the world in terms of like, you know, being, you know, at the, by the end of this season, he's going to be your all time statistical leading, uh, all time statistical. Yeah. Leading quarterback for the entire history of the organization. He'll have all of Kenny's records. And so I'm, I'm rooting for that to translate to wins so far. It hasn't. You know, and and us old school Raider fans or even new school fans that know the history of the team, you know, when you're talking about going from Daryl LaMonica to Ken Stabler uh, or even George Blanda and then, um, the, you know, Jim Plunkett, when you look at those four guys, we had a 20 year run of winning like a 20 year run with four Super Bowl appearances, three victories, repeated, you know, playoff appearances and you know and at one time the Raiders were by percentage the highest had the highest winning percentage of any sports franchise in the history of sports, like more than the Boston Celtics, more than the Montreal Canadiens, more than like so many different teams of not just that era, but all the eras that preceded them. That's what the Raiders used to be. So I love that Derek Carr puts up great numbers. I hate that those numbers don't translate to wins. So he's got to win football games. So my bold prediction that this is the year that those numbers 
and start to translate to wins because he's got all the weapons around him. There's no more excuses. There's no more anything. So if Derek Carr is the man, he's going to show it this season. And I got faith in him. And as much as I can be critical of him, of him, of him at times, as long as he's wearing the number four and that captain on his chest and it's in Oakland Raiders colors, he's my quarterback, man. And I'm going to root for him until the day he's not. So my bold prediction is that he's going to get out of this thing that he's been in the past couple of years and get us into 2016 Derek Carr, win some damn football games, and especially win a playoff game. There you go. Uh, my bold prediction is, again, a lot of people are going to give me crap for it, but it's okay. I'm trying to get rid of my insecurities and learn how to deal. But uh, I believe Nelson Aguilar will have more touchdowns than Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro this season. I believe Nelson Aguilar will have more touchdowns, not yardage, not catches, will have more touchdowns than Hunter Renfro, not combined, but individually than Hunter Renfro or Henry Ruggs. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting it out into the world, Murph. I'm putting it out into the world. I believe Nelson Aguilar is going to have a big touchdown year. I love your boldness, Mikey. I love it. But I hope Henry Ruggs leads the yardage of rookies in yardage and catches all season, like Josh Jacobs did with rookie running backs. All right. This show is two hours long. Forgive me for the marathon. Yeah, we got to get out of here soon. Yeah, we're getting out of here. People got lives, Mikey. These people got lives. We're going to put another 10 minutes into it, but we're definitely done. (laughs) But um, give me your quick prediction of not who wins weekly, your final season record of the schedule, because we didn't do a schedule review. (sighs) Like, if you want to go through win-win-loss, you know, per week, go ahead. This is what's tough, man, because, I mean, seriously, like, look at those first five games. Um gosh man it's it's just brutal and then oh yeah and then uh, by the way after the first five games we got to play the goat and freaking you know what i mean and gronkowski like i mean the the, the schedule literally does not let up at any point i mean because th- you know when you look at these different games i mean th- i hate look raider nation I, clearly i'm a fan of this team i mean look what i, I do with my off time but like when you look at the games on here like other than the Dolphins at home, like what on here or or the Colts? Okay, the, so the Dolphins at home and the Colts at home, those kind of hit you like, all right, those are games that we should probably win. All the rest of them, what evidence do you have that says, oh yeah, we should probably win that? Okay, at the Browns, I'll give you that one. So there's another one. So there's three wins that were an absolute, I would say, lock for. At a minimum, we should win those games. But like at the Jets, anybody see what happened last year when we went at the Jets? We got the shit kicked. Oh, excuse me. We got the crap kicked out of us when we played the, at the Jets last year. Anybody ever seen what happens when we go to Atlanta? I'm going to be in Atlanta again this year. And I was in Atlanta the two times before that we were there and got the crap kicked out of us. Anybody sees what happens when we play the Chiefs? Anybody sees what happens when we play on the Eastern time zone? Anybody sees what happens when we play the Patriots? I mean, like, you look, the Bills are like one of the more upcoming teams in the AFC. Like, look, the Chargers are going to be in a at the Chargers in an additional home game for us. And we won those two games last year. We swept them. So that gets us up to five. After that, man, I don't know. We're good to beat the Broncos once. So that's six. Like, okay, give us the home open or give us the opening season at the Panthers. That's seven. I think eight and eight's a good year for us, Mikey. Nine and seven's a great year. 
10 and 6 and we're making the playoffs is playing above uh, expectation. And look, I fall into this every single year. My expectations for the Raiders outride my brain. And I made a vow last year. I was not going to do that again. I was going to relieve myself with the burden of expectation by expecting this team to be something more than what they were. I'm going to think of it now objectively. I'm going to give you the most unbiased opinion, even though my heart is Raiders. My heart looks at this and sees 16-0. and 0. But my brain tells me seven wins. Do this. Raider Post posted this. And if you could stop one of these events from happening in Raider history, which one would you pick out of the four? Would you pick Bo Jackson injuring his hip where it did not happen? Would you pick Rich Gannon not getting injuring his shoulder in that championship game? Would you pick not happening us drafting Jamarcus Russell? Or would you pick us not leaving Oakland for Las Vegas? Stop one of those from happening I pick the history of the Raiders. I pick Sarah Goose's fat ass not falling on Rich Gannon because let me tell you why. I watched not long ago the NFL Network replay Super Bowls, and I watched the Super Bowl between the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Giants, and you could not see two worse quarterback performances than Trent Dilfer and Kerry Collins. There were more interceptions and bad throws in this games and fluke plays. It was absolutely ridiculous. And when you think about what the Raiders were back then and how we were humming and granted that Baltimore defense was no joke, but we were in a position to win that football game until Gannon got hurt. And it was a blatant play. It was a cheap shot from that ass Saragusa that broke his shoulder after he landed on him. And you see it there in the picture because I'm not going to, because nothing is a lock in life, Mikey, but we would have about been a lock to beat the damn giants in that game. The Raiders had a ton of, I mean, we were the frick. I mean, so good. Like, and that, you know, look, the tuck rule hurts all the different things around the Raiders hurt over all the years. That was more egregious that because Look, I don't know if we'd have went on and won the Super Bowl against the the freaking greatest show on turf or not against the Rams, but this one, I know we'd have freaking at a minimum played the Giants to the end and most likely beat them. I mean, we would have. I mean, we would have been a favorite in that game. I'll just say that. And freaking Saragusa took out Rich Gannon, so we were, you know, these other ones are sad and they hurt and all that, but I know that one about cost us another Super Bowl. Like, that's like immaculate deception worthy. That's Rob Lytle fumble worthy. Those are things that actually cost us a chance to win and likely win the Super Bowl. So I picked that one. You know, that was actually the one that I picked just for the history of the Raiders in a championship type season, you know, in the playoffs. But I'm just going to take the Bo Jackson injury because I am a L.A. Raider fan um, from the get-go, and I would have loved to see his career in L.A. blossom and see what could have happened if he would have became one of the best Hall of Fame running backs in the NFL. All right, one more. Stop one of these from ever happening. So we got the the Immaculate Deception. We got the under-review tuck rule. Or we got John Gruden being traded to the Buccaneers. Or we got the Derek Carr injury versus the Colts in 2017 which one would you stop from happening in raiders history if you could i mean it's hard not to pick the immaculate deception the most egregious non-call uh you know or, or call whatever you want to call it 
you know, in the, in the history of the league. I mean, this was the, I mean, by all accounts, by every journalist voted, you know, the immaculate deception is the biggest job in the entire history of the league. So it's hard not to pick that, but that happened the year before I was born. That was 1972. The tuck rule happened right in the middle of my Raider fandom. And I, we all watched it unfold live on television. And, you know, that led to John Gruden leaving. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for the tuck rule, John Gruden never gets traded to the Buccaneers. So, and also when you look at the historical shift that happened because of that, because it wasn't just us not going, it was us propelling Tom Brady and the Patriots into the stratosphere to become the greatest, you know, franchise of, of the last however many two decades now, and, and arguably the greatest of all time. This is what propelled that. So give me the elimination of the tuck rule um, where, again, it's hard to call against Immaculate Deception. And those are my favorite Raiders teams of all time. Those guys are my superheroes. The Raiders of the 70s, Villapiano and Tatum and Atkinson and, and Skip Thomas and all those guys. But that said, man, you know, Charles Woodson coming around that corner and knocking that ball loose and freaking that them going to the, to the review like you got pictured there. I mean, jeez, Mikey, that was brutal, dude. That was... That was brutal, and that led to so many events um, that I feel like these others didn't. And, and real quick, just as a caveat, the Trent Cole breaking Derek Carr's ankle, look, I would have loved to have seen what that would have happened in 2016, but let's not forget, the Raiders won a lot of plays, or won a lot of games late, in, uh, won a lot of games late based on really aggressive play calling and our defense was not that great. Like that, we weren't going to win the Super Bowl that year. Our defense was a sieve. We had Sean Smith out there getting burnt by Brandon Cooks. You know what I mean? Like constantly, like we weren't going to freaking win a Super Bowl. It's unfortunate because we probably would have beat the Texans in the first round of the playoffs, but I don't think that cost us a Super Bowl. Tuck rule did. Probably multiple because if Gruden doesn't leave, we might have gone back a few times. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. All right. Tuck rule. We'll just end it there. That I've never witnessed anything like that live that I can remember in front of my face. And we all saw it coming out of nowhere. The announcers start saying, oh, they might, you know, they might. Why are they talking so long? They might come up with, you know, the tucking. All of a sudden, the announcers and the reporters are talking about this rule that has not been used in many, many, many years. Where did that come from? So when the announcer started saying it, I'm like, can it be? And then, then the call came down, and the rest is history. And my God, that is a day that will live in infamy. Yeah. And we stopped being good. I mean, I know we went to the Super Bowl the next year with Bill Callahan, but like after the Immaculate Deception, we didn't stop being good. We won the Super Bowl within the next few years in 76, and we're in many AFC championship games. Like that didn't derail the path of the Raiders. You know what I mean? Where again, Gruden leaving is a result of the of the the, the tuck rule, and we stopped being good. Now, granted, so did Trent Cole breaking uh, Derek Carr's leg. That kept us from being good after that as well. But again, I think there was a more fluky nature to it for, to that season, much more so than like what the Raiders had going on in, in, in uh, you know, in 2001 underneath the, uh, uh, the tuck rule. Oh my God. I love that from Raider post Raider post always puts out great Very Twitter good. content. Yes. And I love him. He makes me laugh. He makes me think and nothing but love for Raider post. You guys check him out on Twitter. Absolutely. That's Raider post. All right, Murph, there it is. We got our marathon done. Hopefully Woo! my mic lasts till the end of the show. My face is turning red, no pun intended. Uh, 
So there it is. But hey, thank you guys for tuning in. We had a lot of technical difficulties, but we got through it like champions. And I'm proud to be back on the airwaves. And more importantly, I was proud to see my good buddy Murph, who's always given me positivity in life. And you've really been there for me. Like you're you're like we don't talk on the phone, but you're like always there. And then you accept whatever pain or turmoil I'm going through with passion and love. And I respect it. And you understand me that I'm a mess, but you love it. I love you, man. Hey, man, we all got our things. You got your things. I got mine. Everybody out there listening. Got we things. got things. We all got our own things, man. But you know what, brother? Dude, we love your passion. First and foremost, as a Raider fan, you're a good human being. You got a good heart. You love people, man. And that's what it's all about. And I respect that in you always and forever. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. So if you want to tune into this channel for more content, hopefully I'll have a Raiders roundtable coming up soon. Murph, let everybody know. You, you can find his links in the description later tonight. But let everybody know what you're doing on your channel, what's coming up, and how they can find you. You can find us youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. So please do us a favor. We just recently crossed the 2,000 subscriber mark. So please continue to support us in that way by subscribing to the channel. And uh, heck, let's let's shoot for 3,000 now. Uh, so that's youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. Uh, if you're interested gotcha. in the Compton jersey, if you got more than 500 bucks, because that's the latest offer, uh, then definitely send us an offer on that but i have we have lots of other fundraising opportunities coming up mikey i started a non-profit something that you have and i have, haven't even talked about i started a non-profit called the one nation foundation uh and we're gonna we're gonna have a, a, a huge um initiative behind that going forward where we're gonna contribute to to, to many raider charities and raider organizations so um it, it, anyways all that is possible because of raider nation because of our listeners because the likes the subscribes, the retweets. So please check us out on YouTube, subscribe to us, watch the videos. And then also if you're an audio podcast listener, just search Murph's fan cave, M U R F S fan cave on any podcast service, Apple, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, radio, um, Spotify, you name it. We're on all those things. Subscribe to us. Please like it, man. Like, like it, subscribe to it, rate it, do all anything you can to help support us. And just know that anything that we get in terms of love from Raider Nation, we're going to, we're going to shoot that back out, man, on your behalf by giving to these charities, by giving to this nonprofit, doing things like this, man, like raising money for, uh, uh, for the tornado relief here in middle Tennessee. And also just a multitude of other charities like the Stabler XO, uh, foundation, the Bolitnikoff foundation, um, you're doing great. There's all that stuff, man. That that's all my desire is to, to give out to, with this so uh so the the you know i can't do it if you're not watching not listening and uh, not hitting the button man so just hit the bell hit the thumbs up hit the subscribe whatever those things are man and uh and, and i much appreciate what you do for us already yeah quick little hypocrisy story about youtube if i can get into it speaking of charities uh because of you everything you've been doing throughout the years raider cody just recently to you know the, that foundation the youth foundation I was like, I watch videos of big YouTubers and they have a charity link above the chat room. There's like an actual charity link where people can click on it for a certain charity and donate on the actual YouTube page. And I was like, you know what, Mikey Raider, you got to get into this donation spirit. Let me find out how to put that link to one of these charities on, on our videos. So I looked into it yesterday and I was trying to do it but you can only put the link to a charity to earn money if you have over 100,000 subscribers. 
Oh. Does that make any sense? Why can't a person with 50,000 subscribers don't or get donations to a charity? Why do they have to have 100,000 subscribers to have that option available on YouTube videos? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I I, I hate that and I and I and first off, I'm completely remiss by not uh, crediting uh, Raider Cody as well, who is the co-chair of this new foundation that that, that I've started. Um, he is. Oh, abso- it's you and him. Great. It's, Great. Yes, and he is absolutely responsible uh, equally for this initiative. You know, he did his own fundraising things, which was brilliant. What he did for the Greater Youth Sports Association. We did our thing for Blitnikoff last year. We're doing a thing for EXO this year, and he and I talked, and we decided to combine forces, and that's ultimately what formed this One Nation Got Foundation. It. So, um, yeah. So, but thank you for shouting that out too because i did not know that and i will definitely i mean what we're doing is an official nonprofit, so this is not just like some fan initiative thing or whatever like i've founded this you know this company and this corporation and and cody and i are co-chairing it together and so whatever opportunities are out there for us to link it up to different sites with different youtubers or content venmo, creators yeah link it up to all venmo that stuff we're gonna well. we're gonna we do all that, that way. yeah we're gonna do all that stuff and know that we're gonna give it all away we're gonna give it all the way to these charities so it's gonna be cool Fantastic. All right. I just thought it was ridiculous because I finally wanted to support a charity. I was like, you know what? I'm in the giving spirit. You know, the Lord has given to me recently, you know, and I was like, I wanted to do it. And then YouTube's like, nope, not until you have 100,000 subscribers. Well, then let's get Mikey to 100,000, man. Then he can link into the One Nation Foundation. How about that? There you go. If YouTube accepts it or do they have their own? Oh, that's true, too. Well, then I'll yeah, write, I'll start know. writing them letters for discriminating against us for being Raider fans. All right. It's time to get on out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Let me sing the song and let's get on out of here. Thank you guys for a wonderful day. Here hey, we Mike, go. Hey, first off, wait real quick. Thank you, man. Thank you, dude. I'm so glad to be back here. I miss this show, brother. And I we get people hit, hit us up all the time. What happened to Mondays with Mikey and Murph? What happened to Mondays with Well, here we are. We're back at it. It's season three. I don't know how regularly we're going to bring content to you, but just know this, man. Uh, I'm, Mikey and I are both dedicated to this show, and I'm thankful to be back here with my buddy Mikey, man. This has been a lot of fun tonight. A lot of fun talking Raider football with you, brother, and uh, look forward to more of this. Yeah, thank you. We'll definitely have at least one more show before the season starts. I think so. And then hopefully we'll do, be able to do it weekly. Um, again, I have a lot of setbacks. I'm not going to go into that. But we're, we're, we're having season three. Long story short. The boys are back in town. I think one of the people tweeted that, and I loved it. I thought it was great. The boys are back in town. Yeah. All right, let's get on out of here. This has been Mondays with Mikey He's Murph. We talked a lot of Raiders and football dirt because we're trying to be a cool Raider talk show. We number three so far. Let's go. This has been Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We'll see you in about two and a half to three weeks. We're out. We'll get back to your music shortly, but first, did you know that prescription prices are different at different pharmacies? You could literally drive across the street and get a different price. That's crazy. But with GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices at every pharmacy in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. You're probably thinking there's a catch, right? Nope. It's 100% free and can save you money whether you have insurance or not. In fact, it can often beat your copay. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. 
a perspective you'll benefit from, from a custodian you can rely on, one who can help navigate the big picture, and whose products give you a competitive edge, one who considers everything, what will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash RIA. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.